whoever said elephants were stronger than mules. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Dr. Funk Live podcast. Thank you guys so much for subscribing on YouTube and checking us out on Facebook Live, but also on Apple Music, Spotify, Podbay FM, and Podbean as well. Um, and also, thank you guys always for donating. Always glad to have you guys here. Today, we're going to be discussing about Princeton and get political. You always have that argument, especially when something comes out in this day and age. Um, so I got you guys know, we know about the shoe collection is going to be debuting at Paisley Park on Friday. I think it's entitled The Beautiful Collection. And we're hoping to have, if you know anyone that's going to be attending the exhibit, uh, we'd love to have you on the show for next Wednesday's show. We will be doing a Friday show to where I want to bring up some changes that we're going to be doing to the show uh, probably in October. But also Friday's show will be going through um, trying to talk with you guys more about the future of the show, donations, and how we can make things be smoother and better for you guys. And those changes happening in October will help that, albeit, um, and I'll go more into the detail about that on Friday. Um, nice to see you guys in here. Susan, Jackie, Kimberly, Cheryl, Denise. Um, they didn't finish musicology classes. There we go. But yes, and if anyone's checking out the shirt today, Rainbow Children, I think they sold it at Paisley Park. But without further ado, while I'm getting stuff set up over here on this side, it's interesting. It's not showing it. But regardless, um, yeah, we're going to get political. And I feared there's no one else I'd rather have to dive in deep into this topic that can sometimes be a little bit controversial. Um, there's no one I'd rather have on than Mr. Dave Hampton, who you guys all know. And thank you guys who share through your groups or on YouTube or whatever links. It's always appreciated. Um, hey there. And, you know, Aphrodisiac watching on YouTube. Appreciate it. So, and Tamir, the same. And here we go. Without further ado, thank you. And we're all sweltering in this heat. And uh, probably we'll put on the hats are a little bit more professional and match with Dave, <laughs> Dave Hampton in the house. What's up, man? How's it going? Hey, Trying so to get my production value situated. Right. So <laughs> how are you, my friend? Doing good, man. Doing good. Doing right. Good. Now, been, what have you been up to? Just been what? Sweating? Uh, no, with the sweating. Yeah. Googling and zooming and, and, uh, just getting back on it, I got a bunch of projects going on all over, and uh, just doing a lot of meetings to to confirm things up. Now that everything's getting back to quasi normal, um, you know, starting to travel more. I just got back from Tennessee, so you know, I'll start getting out there more and more. Going to try and get out to Minnesota as well. So very cool. I'm with you on that front. Tennessee, they just had a thing on the news that. They're going to give people $250 that are going to be traveling there 
to give them an incentive. You didn't even need an incentive. <laughs> I didn't even need it. I'm getting paid enough to go anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I don't need $250. That's that yeah. life right there. For hey, sure. man, that's it's it's nice. You know, uh, uh, I, I put off going for the longest, but I enjoy it. Uh, it's kind of like uh, Minnesota where it, it's so different from Los Angeles that it's enjoyable to get away. So it's very, very green and a lot of space all around you. I kind of like that. And uh, yeah. More so than LA and the San Fernando Valley, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You know, you know how our neighborhood is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do. But <laughs> I guess for the time being, it's going on. So, of course, over the years, we've heard this. Uh, Prince didn't get political. Why are you guys trying to politicize him and this other stuff? And then even before he passed, before 42116, when Baltimore came out, mm -hmm. how people are like, oh, it's such a horrible song and all this stuff. But we didn't realize at that time it was just certain people with an agenda trying to slam it because of what it was bringing up in the song. Right. You know, it got onto it. And these are the things that we have to deal with. And I think we have to educate people that. You know, it wasn't always let's go crazy or when doves cry. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, they want to simplify it all the time and have it. The party music is great. And and there's no doubt that he was trying to hit the party bone. And, and, and you know, I think there's also the other things where he was being profound and his writing style was so tongue in cheek sometimes that he would slip it in and you when you least expected it in a lyric or in in anything and uh but very very on time politically with a lot of issues that were happening especially like when we're younger we're gonna jump around a bit we will go back to the beginning but like when you're hearing you know paisley park or whatnot for the first time mm -hmm. you're, you're you know you're a kid whoever said elephants were stronger than mules you know, that's a political plot <laughs> right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As yeah. you said, sneaking it in, slipping it in. Sneaking it in. He would sneak it in so subtly. But right. that was his writing style, you know. And even though, you know, we can go back to stuff, and that's what we're going to do, at least here, as I bring up my notes, because I was this morning, just after I had, like, uh, some rehab and some stuff, um, was just looking up things because Uptown, even that's a party song, there is elements in that of, of mm -hmm. other stuff. You know, mm -hmm. our, our hair, we don't care. You're starting to set stuff up. But then with Party Up, that's it is a party song. But then you look at his first ever appearance on Saturday Night Live. He made sure that you knew what was really going on because the first thing he says is down with war. Yeah. In that political climate of 1980. You know, he was taking chances and pushing. I mean, he didn't do that in his first two albums. But mm. then I think he felt a little bit more freedom after I Want to Be Your Lover and the success that the second album had, even though it wasn't on the levels that he would have in the future with Little Red Corvette and then with the Purple Rain soundtrack and movie. Yeah. But he was able to start going okay now i can kind of like with my third album i can kind of open up stuff aside from 
bed frames imposes on that. Um, mm -hmm. But Party Up, even though it supposedly wasn't his song and Morris Day wrote it, he didn't shy away from it and he made it his regardless. You know, now, say even with Controversy, the song Controversy can be a little bit political. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, especially nowadays where it seems that you can't separate politics from religion at all even more well, so. Well, even so, I mean, he was also bringing up the gay issue in a lyric, you right. know, and that that in itself was jaw-dropping during the times we were in because that was still a closeted experience for the most part. Right. I mean, the community was still there, but they weren't as in, in uh, number and out in the open as they are now. So to have that as a lyric of a song it, it was very controversial in itself, you know. Right. And, you know, Kathy is saying, he often saying about politics and racism, too many people think that Baltimore was his first protest. No. No. <laughs> yeah. And then Violet even chimes in, and this is true, you know, with this one. She says, he touched on woman's rights, choice, and baby on for you. Yeah. yeah. Hope the baby has eyes just like yours you know for sure on this stuff and then you know especially him being even at that time he wasn't playing it up as much because he was trying to cross over because as as people don't know in the early 80s radio was segregated again you yeah. know having it for 1985 where you can get prince on the same radio station as shalimar and then holland oats and all these other things there was the white rock and there was R&B, and there was K-Rock out here, which was very interesting because they were one of the first artists to break prints out here in their alternative music. So they would play When You Were Mine and stuff like that. Rodney on the Rock would be great. Yeah. More so than Kiss FM or Power 106 out here. When you get to controversy and him being, at that time you're looking back on it, him being a black artist. You did have David Bowie. You did have Freddie Mercury with Queen. But here was an artist that people didn't even know what his sexuality was. He had the yeah. write, on, write on magazine with the little girls understand. And then here it is. Am I black or white? Am I straight or gay? And all these other things. It was super important. And it is somewhat of a political song setting stuff up. And throughout yeah. that album, you know, and not just with Ronnie Talk to Russia, which was interesting at the time because, yeah, when that's talking about him talking, you know, our president at the time, Ronald Reagan, talking to Gorbachev and the USSR with Russia and trying to make stuff happen before it's too late with the Star Wars and nuclear weapons and all that stuff. Ronnie yeah. wants to know for hanging in the barbershop. Yeah. Yeah. Even 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 uh, later on, he goes into songs like The Pope. You know, that, that in itself is... Uh, yep controversial and, and but it's timely it's timely got to realize because he hits on it before we get you know to that whole era but but it's very important the the what he says is is very important it was right on time you know Absolutely. You which is i think the responsibility of every artist yeah you know to do that and then even with ronnie talk to russia we have that then you have any Christian mm -hmm. and that kind of goes into it and it touches on so many things that were happening at the time 
whether what was happening with Atlanta, albeit there's stuff going on now, it's right. kind of trippy. And then, you know, talking about the murder of John Lennon, which I feel had a different effect on Prince to where he felt, I think everyone in the music industry, how Lennon was taken out, that that's why Prince would have Big Chick and other people around and never exactly be walking the streets in New York alone, unless it was even with Afshin taking photos of him later mm. on, on the way to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, ceremony and rehearsals for that. But you play into it so much and so early in his career. And it's not like at that time, Dirty Minor Controversy were selling well. And I'm sure some some record label people would be like, yo, man, you chill with that stuff. I think they would rather have had more of the Dirty Mind instead of uh, what's going on with Annie Christian and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and and how many of them stopped and took the time to really go through the lyric to really understand what he was singing about, what he was trying to say in the song? They were so excited to be getting a Prince album at the record company. They weren't even thinking about him trying to consciously make a statement. They're just, oh, we got the next album. <laughs> and they're just doing their thing, not realizing he's he's unfolding a plan that's much larger, you know. For sure. And just having that stuff, and even the title track of the next album with 1999, a little bit mm -hmm. everybody's got a bomb, we could all die later today. Yeah. The <laughs> party song, there's elements in there. Yeah. That are letting you know the climate and the situation, of course, how that was, you know, when Bobby Z brings up that they're watching something on TV, a documentary, and that's how it came to be about doing that song and looking at the future. So, yeah. yes. And Paul, yes, that's what we're talking about when it came to Atlanta and Annie Christian about the Atlanta child murders that were going on at that time. Yeah. And of course, we're coming off a of 4th of July weekend where we had one of the most violent uh, weekends in uh, recent history. Mm -hmm. And other stuff on the rise. So, yes, with Rodney with the Nostradamus and other, other things that they were paying attention to, that's special. And then here it is, you know, there's just so much to go on. Here it is with free, mm -hmm. you know, to me that had a different song. I know some people, there's a lot of people say, oh, that they don't really like free, but there's such a message behind it for so many people. And especially him being an American artist at the time that, right. you know, later on he would go back to, I got news for y'all, freedom ain't free, but be glad that you are free because many a man that's not. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, that lyric will come up again. Freedom so free. Yeah. And then, you know, even for other artists that were trying to have a crossover appeal, they would take a chance because at that time, anything that was being written by Prince, they wanted to make sure they had in the album. But here it is, you had an artist like Tevin Campbell, where you're wanting the Can We Talk, you're wanting the Halls of Desire. But now let me give you a little bit of Paris 1798430. But then <laughs> Uncle Sam, yeah and that gets deep on a lot of stuff in that one we have the groove and some people like i'm your nephew yes it's true but mm -hmm. read some of those lyrics read about the bucket read about those things you know so we have to go on to that i love i love that people are are about free because i would get so much stuff with it and then i was dating a girl at the time she's like oh i don't really like that song free and i'd be like that song <laughs> means a lot to me 
yeah growing up in group homes and other stuff and you have this large wall and you can't exactly you're you feel like you're in a prison and you're like six years old uh and then you finally hear a song like that you're like yo i can totally relate to that although it's for different purposes you know i love to see that freeze getting this much attention so i'm gonna put some of the comments up so <laughs> i have to just because it, i feel redeemed especially when he was adding it during the one night alone tour um love that even though it wasn't a lot of it free is the first song that comes to mind when i think of subtle not so political statements so mm -hmm. no she wasn't the one she made a good friend for a while um and Sylvia has this to say, it's a long thing, so I'm not going to put it full up. And artists can comment on touchy subjects in their lyrics because music takes the sting out of you and can discuss the situation as you yes. discuss the yeah. meaning of the lyrics. They don't necessarily take a position as much as they make a commentary about what's happening. It makes it safe to talk about them, which is what we're doing now. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what we don't want people to miss is that it's very intelligent intent where he took the the license that he's allowed to take as an artist, but he went directly to issues and went directly and spoke to things and gave his opinion. You know, I think I think uh, the the songs like the like I brought up the Pope and things like that are very interesting too because of you know just the religious journey that he was on through his life. When right. he wrote that song, he was not yet a Jehovah's Witness. And so, but but the ability to speak out and write about, it, and then later on down the line, after he he starts uh, studying in the Jehovah's Witness, you know, he he goes on to write some other uh, you know songs that that uh, you know they 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 deal with faith based principles and things like that 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 are. But he says it in another way, so I think it's you you're seeing the. I don't want to say the age, but you're seeing the the years and experience and life experience come about as he continues to go to new topics and new issues. For sure. And people bring it up like we march. Definitely, especially when we're bringing up Uncle Sam and what was going on there and that being inspired by the Million Man March and all these other things going on. Dear mm -hmm. Mr. Man, which there were some friends I'd have to school on that when they first heard the song uh, before Musicology came out. Family name, very powerful, 100%. Super powerful, yeah. Violet agreeing with you, maturity and life experience. Even though he was maturing, like that's the whole thing is people would think that all the Prince's songs were sex, but here we are, we haven't even hit the Purple Rain era yet. Mm -hmm. And he's getting very political and very deep with stuff. Yeah. In his early 20s, but it's stuff that he experienced himself unfortunately at times of course there wasn't exactly too much on purple rain that you could say was political per se he was trying to keep it more light but again like what we said before about paisley park and the elephants stronger than mules line yeah you know, of course and i talked with you about it yesterday on the phone when we brought up america and i remember on a fourth of july special years ago that disneyland was having and they had like a group of people dancing to America. I'm like, that's not exactly a play. <laughs> yeah. You know, thinking, oh, it says America in the title. You know, Jimmy Nutter went to school. You know, just all this stuff. Um, yeah, Pop Life too has some elements in it that are, are 
you know, very current, you know. A couple of those other ones. I, I think about some of the individual lyrics. For sure, on a lot of stuff, and people bring up even Slaughterhouse and the Chocolate Invasion. Yeah, Judas Smile, the Chocolate Invasion starts here. For sure on that, and we're going to sign the time. Sign the time should have set it off. The people were listening and reading. It's like I'm saying, what are you, what are you going to do about it? For sure on that. Mm -hmm. And then you have, like, say even mountains, Africa divided, hijack in the air. Yeah, enough to make you want to lose your mind because there was stuff going on. There was like, if I remember correctly, and I, I don't know if it was in Beirut, but there was a hijacking of a plane that happened. Yeah, and even though it wasn't in Africa, but you're having this stuff that was very relevant and very political at the time, you know, that was happening. And then here it is, sign the times covering on so many different things. One of the first songs to mention AIDS talks about the space shuttle blowing up. All these different things, gangs. Yeah. You know, and just having stuff going on. It was just covering a spectrum of stuff and still making it to where it was accessible to pop radio, you know, to where it began made number two on the charts with that. And then you can have other things that may have been looked over. The cross, because I said you can't get politics and religion nowadays separated. So the cross, here it is, ghettos to the left of us, flowers to the right. Mm -hmm. For all of us, you know, and that has biblical terms as well. Don't get me wrong. So that there can be different messages through it, you know. You know, that's what's so funny is when you think about this, all this is from the same guy who wrote Pussy Control. <laughs> right? <laughs> So as much as there was, you know, it's it's just it just shows you how the music was really flowing through him at, at any given point, you know. Definitely. Maybe I'll wear my pussy control shirt <laughs> for Friday show because I wasn't going to be wearing that for this show. Even someone saying purple in itself, times are changing. Time to reach out for something new. And it means you too. So yeah. You can't seem to make up your mind. You know. Yeah. There can be stuff in it that can be interpreted. But that's the web part of his writing style. He would he would write things in such a way where you if you thought local, you would you would come to a local conclusion for yourself. But if you were thinking bigger, the wording that he used and the order that he put everything in gave you a double way to read it. And he does that through a lot of songs mm -hmm. where where that's his style, his one particular style, which is very much like his style of conversation when we would talk about stuff, he would always tell us, think big and then think bigger than that. For sure. You know, thing had to say, sometimes we forget that these songs were written in his youth. However, the meaning behind the songs are so relevant today. Sign yeah. the times he was so brilliant, you know, for yeah. sure. That and colonize mine, we're definitely getting into that and dreamer. Oh, and man. Yeah. New world. And then here it is, and someone brought it up, and that was next to my list was Dance On. Hey, Detroit, what's happening? You know, yeah. what's your money today? All this other stuff. Even with positivity, there's a little bit up in there. Mm -hmm. you know? So even though Prince considers that his gospel album, but I think the song most popular on Love Sex and Read Alphabet Street 
you know, where he's like <laughs> talking about what he would be doing, I'm gonna crown the first girl he meets, but there's still elements of it. Dance yeah. song. Again, it's a dance That's song. Again, it's going into different ways. Go ahead, I'm sorry. That's the same thing like Thieves in the Temple, you know. Very, very powerful lyric. Very powerful lyric. It means something close, and then it means something when you back up from the hillside and look at it totally. Definitely. Going on with it. And then with the Batman album, there is some stuff that can be in there, just like with the future, I've seen the future in Boyd's Rough, but there isn't too much. You can have little things of electric chair. And if you guys see anything, let's not bring up Arms of Orion, because we all know that's the most political song of all time. Anyway, <laughs> Stephen Hill would attest to that, with that being one of his favorites. But then you have Diamonds and Pearls with his, that's still being, and I just have to reiterate for the people that don't get it, Diamonds and Pearls, his second most successful album, mm -hmm. you know, Time Purple Rain. Yeah, Money Don't Matter Tonight. And what was going on in 1991, and being able yeah. to, and not just the video with directed by Spike Lee and the different versions, you know, just having that whole line in there, you know, is it cool to be sending a child off to war and all this stuff? Anything is better than a picture of a child in a cloud of gas, right? Mm -hmm. you know, you have it on there for so much. And just other songs you could cover, like When Will We Be Paid? And yes, we did We did cover the cross that to me still, because you can't get religion and politics separated, that that for sure is in yeah. there. Um, but then you have Live for Love. That's a little bit in there too, you know, being, you know, how can I live for love? I'm calling and you're doing for your country. And this other stuff that he would do in the live show to let you know was a little bit more political than people may not have realized. Yeah. Now with the symbol album, and we know the era we talked about Pope, even though that was released afterwards. What on there would be more political aside from stuff? You know, you got you got religion with seven and that funk on that song for yeah. sure. So you know, sacrifice a victor, you know, when you do stuff like that and it just happens, you know, but you have these things and then you talked about with Pope and like, you know, here it is. It's such a funky song. You're not thinking about it. You can be the president. I'd rather be the Pope. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and uh, you could be the, the side effect. I'd rather be the toad. And that, that can be that's, in different ways. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It's like one after the other. He would do that and just machine gun them at you, and you'd be sitting there, go, oh, 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 and and you can take it every way, and and that's that's before I even, you know, uh, I was into these songs before I even met him and started working there. But it's just interesting to to just go through the lyrics and just you know, hear how he puts it together because not everybody is, is telling stories like that. Not everybody's doing that. And the body of work is so widespread. You know, we're just talking about the, the one aspect of this intentionality today. But when we look at it, cause I'm now looking at just some lists and stuff that I had made and it's just 
a lot of material and this isn't even half of it right. it's not even half of the material it's ridiculous and then like even though bernie mac was the inspiration for the song because he had a nickname in some of the clubs of being bernie the pope mac but still it was a play on that and doing this stuff right? yeah the president I'd rather be the pope it was play on that in so many different ways so it's just crazy and when people try to say that he wasn't there and there's so much of it I mean, hit like half of his career. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I still have to give like much shout outs to Uncle Sam and giving it to Tevin Campbell to do and have, you know, so much in there politically and be able to just go through things that Tevin yeah. may not have known but was singing about and the discussions that probably Prince and Tevin may have had around those recording sessions of it would have been interesting. And then you get to the MPG stuff. You know, whether mm -hmm. it's race or count the days, you know, and again, here's a church, here's a steeple. Again, it's like you can't get religion and politics separated. So here's a mother that I blow away. You know, yeah. With other things, you know, and other it's interesting how he created a fine line where most people wouldn't even try and go down that road. He would set them together on the table and force you to look at them a multiple multitude of ways. Absolutely. And Sylvia agrees that that was his exceptional talent. The way yeah. he put ideas into words made each song a mini novel. Yeah. 100%. Um, and then people, of course, you know, wonder what would have been written after the last four years, not only George Floyd, but the last administration, COVID-19. Well, we're going to see with Welcome to America, as we've seen with already the first two songs that have been released from that, even though recorded in 2010, and you know, planned for release in 2011. As he said, the world wasn't ready for it then. Probably not. You had the president that you wanted, you know, that you never saw was gonna happen, a black president being in the White House. You know, even you had it with George Clinton, paint the White House black, you yeah. know, all these things. And then, so it's like, again, people were feeling all this energy, all this positivity. They didn't know what was gonna be happening a few years later down the road. So now, mm -hmm. this album it seems so timely and of course some people aren't liking it because the first two songs have had political overtones and they're knocking you over the head with it it isn't so subtle subtle as it was with other songs yeah yeah and that's what we kind of need right now that's what what i think one of the attractive things about his music is that it would always have something in it that was a special mixture of a message that that was timeless but plugged right into where we were at either coming out of or going into whatever we face as a nation for you sure know? on that and even at this time when you had clinton in office and all these other things you have songs like chaos and disorder being gay used to mean he's happy now nowadays happy ain't allowed because at that time what was going on, the gays in the military, the whole thing of like, Clinton, oh, we're gonna allow gays to be in the military, then they did the whole don't ask, don't tell thing. Yeah. So that's yeah. political where people may not know it now. And again, this is why we're doing a show like this to educate what was going on at that time and that the double entendre of meanings, not just with the sexual songs. Yeah. Right the wrong. Yeah. You know, Indian man, all these other things that are going on it. And uh, Dig You Better Dead, that can kind of have some stuff into it. 
you know, albeit not as, uh, not the one I play as much as say, uh, rock therefore i am on that one yeah what do you what do you think about uh later on like slave off emancipation those are the things and i would see you know uptown magazine or whatever they would be criticizing stuff songs like that at the time yeah again they weren't understanding it was the difference between overseas fans and look live shows they got his stuff to where he could be doing stuff that he couldn't do in America when he traveled. Yeah. They missed some stuff with slave. Again, the way that I, that I grew up songs like that meant a lot to me, but of course I know to other people, you yourself, it meant even more. Everyone's right. trying to move my, my lonely heart, everyone except for me. And then you're feeling a slave to so many different things, not just your record contract, to life yeah. the way that you were treated that's not going to relate to it on that level but of course yeah, yeah. It's, it's more so then they're like oh it's like oh what was me it has to do with this record contract it has to do with this i'm like nope they're not getting it no they yeah they don't there's a bigger meaning always i didn't get a lot of it until i uh went to work and then we would have conversations and he would share different things and i would go Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Like one time he told me, I don't even celebrate Christmas, but he said, you know, I, I come I come and walk up here and he said, I used to see about a hundred people gathered around a big Christmas tree down there. And he pointed at the center of the, the quad and uh, in the inside Paisley. And he said, I but I don't even celebrate Christmas. He said, but I he said every time I go on stage, I have all those people on my back. You know. And that's that's deep when you think about it because that means he feels all the pressure that it is twenty four seven to be who he is and pull it off. <clears throat> that's huge, you know. When it, I realized it was huge when he shared it with me because it was just the two of us. Now I was I always tell people the time I was there is so different because it was it was just sometimes the two of us sometimes just the four of us but it was very pure thoughts and pure you know just comments and commentary and i just would take it in but i would be looking and listening and learning and because it was just so new i had viewed this thing from afar and had never really been a part of anything so when i started to put his comments together and then look and see okay this this guy is an amalgamation of what he feels and what he's thinking and his life experience he's writing about everything he's writing about everything and it's coming off of him as he feels it as he responds to okay this is my my pure thought and it's my pure song and this is what direction i'm going and it's very it's very unique to be around people like that very unique for sure on that and of course someone was asking this but i feel that dave should be included it was like any chance we can get a dr fungary dr fungary playlist on purple current i want one on dave dave as well yeah uh, dave why do you think that's not going to happen like no let's not go into that. <laughs> no no let's not go there but i think that's a great idea because i think uh it would make sense because people would understand in fact you know if you're going to do a dr fungary do a chronology so people can really understand the the, the generation of the messaging and 
how you know just as that selection goes because i think it's very important and, and you you kind of know those details and you kind of understand the the litany of of what came first what came second and here's the journey of these albums here's the journey of the music here's the journey of the message you know and people need to understand that and that's part of what i think the new playlists turn into especially on something like this you know right and someone was bringing up slave to the system before oh yeah those ones as well even though it's not really checked there's so much stuff yeah yeah we're on it so you know you're going through an emancipation new world all these other things even though it's an album of love he's still taking on oh yeah books, Shit, you know? even a tune like face down <laughs> you know, i mean i i love i love the lyrics i love the the you know just the whole thing but even the messaging is so in your face it, it's it's right there it's right there right for sure on that and then even though it was released officially in 98 you have crystal ball which was basically 87 talking about the only love there is is the love that we make tonight not just being mm -hmm. a lover if you're only hearing that there's other things that are getting deeper you mm -hmm. know and then to go back with what we missed which i wish wish would have been on the gold experience and hopefully when they're able to actually do a gold experience super deluxe or deluxe edition and get the most people who are in the world rightfully back mm -hmm. Last time you know talking about gun control and these other things and he was about gun control yeah. thinking about that with Andy christian everybody say gun control you know and that's a hot topic issue sometimes i'll quote from that i'll put out a tweet and they're like please don't get political like stick to stick stay in your lane <laughs> that's from one of his songs but okay there buddy and then man in uniform some way of that she wants a man if you man in uniform and all this other stuff animal kingdom although that's a different kind of politicalness but with being vegan or for speaking for vegetarians you know that kind of like stuck in some people's crawl especially at that time now you have to be more open when models are you know out in public and having signs about what people should eat instead of animals which mm -hmm. i find funny as hell and then not so much with rave although there's some stuff with undisputed but then you get to the rainbow children era and we're, we're going this chronology but we're going to open up stuff and and develop into lyrics is more but the rainbow children as a whole and then when you had the one night alone album whether it was the one night alone tour i should say excuse me whether it was family name or it was other things but when you had avalanche yeah when he was performing that live and if you have the audience recordings of some of those shows that you guys shouldn't have um, <laughs> When I'd be in LA and I'd be at some of the shows where we had multiple showings of the tour, I would wait till he hit that Abraham Lincoln was a racist line to see people's reactions. <laughs> it was yeah, for sure. Yes, yeah. that's, that's some cold shit. <laughs> Same with the same December from emancipation to the last December and different stuff. Again, religion yeah. and politics being mixed for sure on that. So yeah, yeah. Rainbow Children had some they it had some stuff on there. And it wasn't again, 
people talking about it being a religious album or all this stuff is newfound belief of Jehovah's Witnesses. But again, you can't get religion and politics separated. The opposite of NATO is Oten. All things like that. I, yeah, I think Rainbow Children was also his his foray into jazz. Yes. And 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 I, I looked at it like that because somebody had gifted that to me as a, as a, a present. And I played it and played it and played it because it was so unlike anything I had ever heard from him. Right. And it's and, just but it was real jazz. It was it was like real, real, you know, straight ahead stuff. It was cool. And I thought it was really more of his exploratory uh walking in, in the improvisation, you know. Yes. And exactly like with with the Rainbow Children and other things going on with that. 100 percent it was opening up the door for different things is uh jay soul saying news to the pharaoh sold to the one who can now make the displaced bloodline with the wide jail bait yeah little things in there that are getting it done for sure and then look yeah musicology yeah that'd be his quote unquote comeback album but now, how do you feel about that what that being his comeback album to me it, <laughs> to me it was the one night alone tour that mm -hmm. wasn't even a comeback album because when he was playing these theaters and the show being able to kind of look rainbow children isn't exactly widespread to where it should have that large audience but with the particular player that Prince was and the band that he had around him and how amazingly talented they are. Mm. If it wasn't for the one night alone tour and that band, the musicology success isn't there as much on so many different levels. That's true. You have him when he's doing Purple Rain on piano and then playing guitar and doing all these different things. And then again, at that time, his career was not at a high point. He would get made fun of a lot. Although you had people like Jay Leno that would give Prince TV time. And people don't understand that the industry was pissed at Leno when he gave Prince two nights back to back in 2001, where he did the work part one and the ballad of Dorothy Parker mm -hmm. and gave him interview time for it. They were pissed because he didn't have a label and he got that time. So, of course, Clive Davis and Jay Records, they made sure that the next month, Alicia Keys got two nights. But that started opening up the other nights where people were doing multiple nights. But Leno got stuff for that, that a lot of people don't understand at that time. Right. But it also started a new trend. 100%. As, as he always does. You know. And it was great for him to be able to have that and have him to have an ally. You know, and bring up stuff. And even Leno said it is like, you know, you paid the price, you know, but I feel in the end that you'll be on top. And he's explaining the MPG Music Club and $18 per CD. Mm -hmm. Mariah kind of got screwed and all that stuff. But again, you see how much talent he had on stage in the one I want to And I'm just like, there is no way that a person this talented is, even though he's burned so many bridges that everything's going to play out. And we were having conversations in 2003. I'm like, Prince is going to be selling out arenas next year. And we're like, how so? And I went, look, and this is before it was even discussed. It was like, it's going to be the 20th, it's going to be the 20th anniversary of Purple Rain. He is going to get 
you know, nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and he's going to get in on his first try. He's going to be one of the youngest. He does something like, say, doing the Grammys and, say, doing Ellen. Everything's going to be gravy. And people are like, you're insane in 2003. And he did all of those all things. All of those things, yeah, yeah. And was selling out arenas because people were like, you think he's going to sell out the Staples Center? And I went, he's going to sell it out multiple times. They're like, you were crazy. It was the same girl who didn't like the song. <laughs> It was going to break up with me. So it was just interesting to me because all these things happen. She's like, he's not Usher. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's exactly why he's going to do it at this time. <laughs> so you had musicology and then you have Dear Mr. Man. And of course, there was someone who did a review before I did a review of the Vegas show when he did it for the first time and is talking about stuff. And I went, it's not trying to be sign the times part two. Mm -hmm. It's trying to let you know of stuff that's going on now. You know, we're tired of y'all instead of the other thing he wanted to say. And again, Prince kind of embracing the Jehovah Witness religion at that time couldn't curse as much, but then he write different lyrics yeah. to, to make him an even better songwriter. And I know he's he just as creative. Yeah, they came out over him. Um, although I wrote the review for the Rainbow Throne album, and Blas was the one who did it, but when they did One Night Alone, and they're like, you know, Prince is like regressed as a songwriter. And I'm all like, when you're listening to certain things from One Night Alone, I feel that they lost the message originally. Mm -hmm. That there was some stuff that he was still doing that he did on his second album when it came to love songs with you and these other things. But again, you're looking at the melody, you're looking at other things. Yeah. But I think that they kind of miss the point sometimes. On that. Well, I think that that whole era, the One Night Alone and the Aladdin Las Vegas in particular, that was the height of his successful independence live performance setup, you know, because that that's right. the stage for everything we did when I think about it, you know, I came in right at the start of musicology and that was a real interesting time because it was, everything was germinating and everything was just in flow. So as much as we were putting Paisley back together and doing all this, we were still involved in helping out with the tour, still involved with this and, and the houses in LA and the, everything. But, but it was like, it was like he already knew that this was going to be the pace and that all these things were coming around the corner. So he was just planning different things with different people. It just looked a lot different. I think it looked different because at the time with Ruth on, on that side, she was doing the tour stuff and the private stuff and, and, and all his things. And then with me at Paisley, it was a smaller team. It wasn't a hundred odd people. The tour, the tour community was, was their own thing by itself, but his main core group had gotten much smaller by that time. So right. it was a different thing to to plan these these seasons that we were about to go through. Yeah. Definitely. And of course he had Dear Mr. Man, but then as someone, you know, I was waiting, but he's bringing it up as well, Cinnamon Girl. Like yeah. here, if you, want, if you want to talk about Rainbow Tour not being an accessible <laughs> album. <laughs> And then he's like, oh, this is going to be a single. And then we're going to make, we're actually going to put more money into this than we put into the Call My Name video or Musicology. And then, Cinnamon Girl. 
he was getting attention on Fox News and other stuff. And then they were wanting to know the whole message. So Prince just drops the song, <laughs> walks away. We want, they want more clarification on it. They want this. It sounds anti-American and all this stuff. And he's like, nope, that's all you're getting. I'm not yeah. going to comment on it. You get the video. You figure it out. I think things. that was part of the strategy, though. I, I remember the Cinnamon Girl video. We shot it at the soundstage. I remember that whole thing. And I think some of the expeditions that he took the community on was just to launch it and see where they're at. I don't think the intention was ever to do anything other than, oh, let me get this music out. Let me do this video. Okay, idea complete. I'm moving on to the next. And I don't think they were, but I, I think that they were looking for this big concocted thing and it, they don't realize they're part of his story. He's not part of their story. Right. So, so he's using the release of different things as just a test bed. You know, let's see how you handle this, you know. And in some cases, how you handle his version of the truth or, or what he's going to reveal to you, you know. For sure on all of that. And then you have, you know, without after musicology, it took a while. You have 3121. Not too much political on that. You know, you can get into the word or some other stuff, or even get on the boat. Yeah. From certain things in there. But for the most part, different record. But then the next one that he hits with Planet Earth from the title mm -hmm. track to other things that are just in there that can do it. And I'm going to let the audience be open up to that, but I do definitely want to start getting to Lotus flower in MPLS. When you have colonized mind, when you have dreamer, you know, even with the old school company talking about the bailout, the wall street bailout and yeah. all these things that were going on, which is a political climate to where you can't bail out certain other people, but Oh, let's, if we don't bail out the banks, we'll, the economy and everything is going to crumble. So, mm -hmm. you know, but that was more that, that scare you philosophy that they were running on everybody, you know? Right. As Scotty Baldwin said, Prince is a master of knowing when to contract so that when he went big, it seemed all the more bigger a genius. Yeah, exactly. And Wall of Berlin, and that's so you can talk about the 3121 at the end of it, like it's going down, y'all, like the Wall of Berlin, even yeah. though that's talking about 89, 90, but then it, and then to later on cover it, it's going like like the Wall of Berlin, just the song itself, you know. And then later on, although he took a break for a little bit in 2010, I'll open up to that, you guys, same with Planet Earth. If you have other things in there that you see as political or it can be perceived as it, whether it's cause and effect or different stuff that was coming out at that time. Mm -hmm. But then you have Plectrum Electrum hit up and fix your life up. There's political stuff in there. You know, talking about the difference of what would happen here or in this you'd be, you, in this place you'd be toast. Different mm -hmm. things. Fix your life up. And then Mars. Other stuff on that. And of course, then you get to the last album. And we can talk about artificial age and other stuff on there, but then you have Baltimore. And like I said, when that dropped, you know, I was getting contacted by Trevor, like, hey, we just popped the video to this, we put it out. And then all these comments from my site through social media were just slamming it. And then I'm just like, 
who are these people? Are these the regular fans? Are they getting caught up in it? And I think some regular fans get caught up in it because when you start seeing negative comments about stuff, yeah, you think it's negative. And that's why I wouldn't be on certain sites when music would be coming out or whatnot because some people, they want to be the first ones to hate something. Yeah. Want to get it out there and then it, it messes up everyone else's flow. So those are the things that go on. And that's what it comes down to. And then, like I said, we got news for y'all. Freedom ain't free. All freedom these, ain't free. Yeah. And yourself and all these other things. Now, is there anything that I've been kind of missing on, Dave, that we haven't touched or haven't gotten as deep that we should be getting into? No, uh-uh, no, you you hitting on it. I'm I'm just going over some stuff. I think, you know, because uh, I think right after musicology and right before thirty one twenty one, we took a break and we did the happy feet thing. Yep. And um, I think there was also some stuff we did where we focused a little bit on Tamar and her project. And um, I'm just trying to think of the the everything that was going on around them. And at that time, Lotus Flower, yeah, exactly political, but it was a five-song EP was going to be, you know, it was going to be an acoustic, right? Yeah. Yep. Because I heard that, and hopefully in the future we'll get that, whether it's in a Lotus, a Lotus Flower expanded edition or on it's a separate thing, because the Lotus Flower project with the artwork that Sam did and had these other things again, it was a completely different different thing, yeah. in how it sounded, you know, yeah. just right around the 3121 era, he was trying to get a girl band together then. Yeah, no, that was one of our big, big conversations about yeah. that whole that whole thing and the power of, because we, we had just gone into studying um, analytics and I had come from Herbie's where we had, we had been studying uh, who the mass purchasers of music of online music were and the mass purchasers of online music have always been women and so there was there was a lot of uh, analytic data that i brought to the table when i first started working there where we sat and and i just was asking him how do you utilize this you know because i i was i came there and then the assumption that i was we're coming from working with a jazz artist who had pop success because of Rocket, but who was still a, a, a known to the world as a jazz artist. And I said, oh, I'm coming here to this pop artist superstar. He's, everything's going to be complicated. Everything's going to be... And it was nothing like that. It was the total opposite. And he was just flying on his own guide wires. And so I was like, okay, um, there's some other stuff that's coming around the corner that we need to talk about that I'm already dealing with that you're not even dealing with, so, you know? And so that's when we started getting into the analytics and some of the discussions about the female purchasing power and, and just the, the changes in the marketplace, you know? Right. And you look at it and I know that one of the reasons why you didn't get the female, all female band in the 31, 21 era is he really wanted Cora but yeah. it was a package deal with Josh. Mm -hmm. So she wasn't going to be at that time going to be leaving Josh in the dust because they were, they were married at the time. Yeah. So that, so kind of put a spanner in the works for how they handled stuff. But 
everything happens as it's supposed to, just like Orianthe yeah. was really supposed to be the guitarist over Donna Grannis. Mm. But certain things happen. And again, I think as much as he liked Orianthe, and I had a chance to interview her before, it's because she was going to be on Michael's last tour as the guitarist and all these other things that it may have been too much. Um, too much cross-pollination. Exactly. <laughs> And then she had a success. She had a pop hit with According to You. And she's yeah. doing amazing things. Dated Richie Sambora for a while. And then there's the Takumi connection with that of him being, you know, the tech for Bon Jovi after Prince. And then ended up being Richie Sambora's personal tech for a bit as well. Yeah. So you got to drop in different things and knowledge that are in my head just to get it out. So it isn't useless information. Well, it's not useless information. It's very important that, that you people understand that some of the backline support and the technology and the, and that whole aspect of it is very real because it keeps people current as artists. So there wouldn't be some success in a lot of what he did without Takumi holding down that position as guitar tech and, and doing what he needed to do there. And it's a timing thing as well, because all these other artists, they look at what Prince does and they want some of what that is happening over there. So it's it's good for business, you know. And I feel just like you said, with timing, yeah, or something wasn't the right fit. With without Donna Granis, you don't get Plectrum or Electrum because yeah. that groove was off of something that she already had out and already did. And she brought different elements that you probably wouldn't have had with an Orianti. Even though he was doing um, the love we make during the mm -hmm. Welcome to shows to have it continue on during the Third Eye Girl Live Out, Live, Live Out Loud era and other things. And then adding on to the max and while he's doing the keyboard on that, have her play the riff on guitar and yeah. add different things that probably wouldn't have been done without someone in there. And that's why Third Eye Girl, you know, people sleep on it. And I wish that they were still doing stuff together. Right. Probably in the future, especially with it being his last full band. Yeah. Um, and they they deserve more attention than what they got. Yeah, me. that's what I always thought. I always thought they 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 kind of peaked at the wrong time. And um because some of their some of their some of their songs in particular were very timely when it comes to uh just the whole thing of people not only seeing that all girl lineup but just uh you know just the way they were playing and you know it had to be it had to be third eye girl it had to be when it happened everything needed to happen the way it did right um in order for it to it to i think people will look back and realize they slept on a lot of it you know because they had some good stuff. Yeah. Now someone's asking, was Nick West supposed to be the bass player? I think it was all supposed to be Ida, but he always he did do stuff with Nick. Um, we got to have Nick on one mm -hmm. time to discuss that. But I want to have Tal on um, soon. I just we'll get we'll get we'll get her on. We just have yeah. to wait for the album to drop, which makes no sense when you're trying to promote it. Yeah, see, I, I'm thinking, I'm, I don't know. I, you know, I, I think, I think Nick, I, I, uh, I always had a, a, a feeling whenever I saw Nick, because he's so, 
she's got her whole delivery of herself together to the marketplace. And that's for a young artist. When I met her, she, you know, it's very strong when you're, you've got that much of it figured out. Right. And so there's no dialing it back. And that's what I always kind of, I, I looked at her for a couple of other projects that I was doing away from Prince to see if, you know, she'd be a good band member, you know, musically, musicianship wise, not a problem, but just as a figure, she, she's that figure where, you know, she's got to be out front or nothing at all. And sometimes you've got to, you know, that's the difference between, you know, you've got a Rhonda who can, who can be out front or she can be Rhonda and just be in the band and, but can play. And, uh, but, you know, I think Nick's thing is in a little bit more direction where she's got to be front and center or she's got to be a, a principal figure at all times. And that, that can be kind of challenging, you know. That's why I think, too, when you look at Third Eye Girls' makeup, the, the girls that finally came together, that, that was a nice core group. Absolutely. Everybody had equal energy. Everybody was – and it was new. It was new. And that's what it needed. They, people needed to see that. And they'd see so few people on stage but still making a, a, a wonderful sound, a wonderful big sound. Absolutely. And then with Nick, like she had a friendship with Andy Allo. Yeah. And then, you know, he'd be playing her stuff from Artificial Age when invite her over because we did have her on my show, my older show in late 2014, early 2015. And of course, you know, she didn't know all the songs that were being played for her at that party. She was just more blown away that Prince invited her. Mm -hmm. And of course, after she did my show, there was more more connections of them going on and even of her being flown out to Australia by him to check out some shows. Mm. So it's just interesting to have that on. And even when you talk about Andy at one point, let's just be part of that all-female band. But when you look at it and you think of stuff, it makes more sense with Donna. It makes more it sense. makes a hell of a lot more sense, yeah. You yeah. know, just certain things didn't, didn't fit, didn't flow. And he wasn't going to force it, even though literally 2005, 2006, he's wanting an all-female band and it doesn't happen for another seven years. Mm -hmm. but then but, but each one of the the girls uh, you know andy has her own thing she's the same way she's she's you know some people have principal figure material already on them they can you know right. principal boom you know and so you can put them there and then others they can they can be a little bit of both depending upon the configuration around them um, and then the other thing is that music changes, you know, as music changes, the need for one of these characteristics subsides and the other one steps out front. And and you've got no control over that. I mean, you know, I think at the time, um, anything that Andy would have done with, with him and, and all that stuff would be good, but her stronger suit ended up being her acting. And so that puts her out on that other side. Right. Uh, the new breed of people who just pass through music sometimes. And when you think of stuff, like even though he was doing these songs 2008, 2009, when he's doing Let's Go by the Cars, when he's doing yeah. Clover, he's thinking of the Joan Jett version. And then mm -hmm. finally, 
when Third Eye Girl takes place, even though those were songs that he used in different bands, it became their staple song, even like how they did She's Always In My Hair and how that mm -hmm. drawn out for a long time became their song. Yeah. Now, Jeremy's got a question for you. He wants to know, Dave, do people ask if you are related to Michael Hampton from Funkadelic? Was he the drummer? See, that that there's your answer, Jeremy. If uh, he's is that the drummer, there's a there's a couple of uh, uh, Hamptons. No, I'm not related to him, but yeah, that's actually my middle name, Michael. So yeah, Dave. People don't know that Dave is like a multi-millionaire. Those Hampton and Sweets, those are his. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we all wish, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And Bambi became their song as well. Like this is turning in like we went from political to showing major love to third eye girl. So obviously Well, I you know, I just look at the program. third eye girl songs and, and we just happen to be there. So I'm just looking at some of the songs, but sure. again, it's it's a theme thing where where he gave them he gave them plenty of room to establish who they were. Absolutely. When I when I look at uh, the, the song titles and some of the things, it's just it's just, uh, I think, more so than in some of the artists that he may have uh, worked with in the past. He gave them more freedom to do uh, some things that they could put their their stamp on. Yeah, we're just gonna get. We're gonna have to have Ida on. Gonna have to bug Hannah even more, mm -hmm. and then maybe one day we can get Don on. I don't think we're gonna get all three of them on, but I'm I'm glad to say that at one point. We had all all the ladies with Third Eye Girl on, and they announced their tour on my old show, and I really appreciated that. And just amazing because they were trying to do the press conference in Minnesota, and they kept delaying it for a month because the weather was so bad. They're trying to have me out there, have Rolling Stone out there, and just have, have what they did for piano and microphone when you had journalists fly out. But the weather was so bad in Minnesota, and then it was like the day before, like Julie hits me up, like, can we just announce the tour on your show? I go, absolutely. The problem <laughs> the firewall for internet that Paisley had, like there was literally a minute delay on me talking and then them being able to talk back because we're supposed to do a Q&A and we just had them do the tour and then we edited the videos where it was just them. Wow. It, that firewall was something else with the internet at Paisley. So... Yeah, when you do that show, you should have Scotty on that show too because he has a very uh, he has a very unique perspective on them because he was there when they started, and Prince brought him in to talk to them specifically, and so I think I think uh, that that'd be good too because uh, absolutely he could give you some insight as to who they were before the trip started. Yeah, I get some major third eye girl love going on for sure, and do all these other things. Now, political songs that he would cover from other artists, aside from when will you be paid, you know, and then mm -hmm. you have it with the, with the latest song, Born to Die, and the whole Curtis Mayfield thing going on, mm -hmm. and the vibe of it, and again, being political, and that's where people are, they want the fun, they want the energetic songs. Yes, you had two somewhat slow songs back to back. I just found it so interesting with Welcome to America. The version mm -hmm. that we heard originally, it being live, was way more turned up to 11 compared to the studio version that is now out. 
Right. Even with the same topics, even though there was a ly several lyric changes on it, it's just so interesting to see how his process would happen when it came to stuff. And, you know, I felt sometimes when it came to that important of a message, that's why he made sure that the lyrics were being changed a lot, making sure yeah. that people didn't miss the point. And he felt yeah. like he had to hit them over the head with it. So, you know. Yeah, I think he was trying to hit him at the front of the head and hit him at the back of the head, too. And to the side. Just <laughs> yeah. Missed the spot. Yeah. There you go. And there's other stuff that's going in that's going into it when it comes to Welcome to America. Apparently, um, on the Sirius station, they were playing Inglewood Swinging, which is going to be from the live joint, the live DVD. And someone they played another song, I believe, last night. And then um, from Stand Up and Be Strong, that there's some line in it. Oh, this isn't political. When you live in the hills, you take too many pills. That may be out of context, so I want to hear everything before even reading that, getting into it. But I felt if you guys are listening to this serious station, they are adding a few more things to it, not just Born to Die, you know, mm -hmm. and. There we go, land of the free, home of the slave, for sure. Yeah. Different things. Now, did you ever have political discussions with Prince at all, or would you pick up on stuff? I'm just curious. And if it's too deep to share, you don't have to. But I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you couldn't help but, you know, with the things that were going on at the time, you know, we discussed politics. We discussed um one thing just came to mind because we did the, you know, the big thing we did was uh, one of the big things we did was American Idol. You know, and so it was interesting to have those conversations because, again, he and I are both older people who've had careers in music. So right. we we look at different opportunities different ways. And, and I never really liked the format of Idol or any of those shows. I just thought it was, I thought it was cheapening what it meant to be a, an artist and, a, and a, have a career. And uh, I still do kind of. I just think it's it it's it certainly has helped the industry trans transform into what it is now. But I think at the time when we did it, uh, you know, he did it for the specific purpose of letting them know what it is to actually be a superstar and have a career and to show up and and have everybody just jaw drop he didn't play an instrument he didn't have a band he just showed up and did his thing and boned out of there and it was just right. it was just so matter of fact because we had literally just the week before just had this whole thing where we were oh, what do you think of this what do you think of this and and i didn't know that he was you know just trying to get a consensus on what he wanted to do Right. You know, and I didn't even know he was doing the show because a lot of the times I didn't focus on what he was doing. I just focused on what we were working on. And so if you talk about things or events, um, it wasn't like we read the newspaper. So we didn't talk about things like that. But we did talk about some of the issues that were were burning at the time, you know, that were coming about. And, um, you know, it was just it just was very it was a very busy time because everything came one after the other as soon as we did that and we grammys and as soon as we did that it was something else and it was 
it was always something going on and that was what was amazing too especially you know? with him doing idol and you go yeah. back to the musicology era right like, during the press of it he's like america deserves william hung <laughs> Dang. exactly that, 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 exactly exactly and that's you know that's the part where you know he would say that and he would he would say it in in a jokingly way around the studio because it would just be us but it i i got it and we we got where we were coming from in uh our appreciation of our time in the music business you know and and certainly understood what this part of what this industry was trying to change into you know and has since changed it, it has since changed to where that model is now a a viable way that some people do start their careers. It doesn't mean that the, the the people from those shows aren't any good because we've certainly seen people come on the shows, rise, and they have a career. That's great. But it is just an alternative way that at the time just did not seem plausible when when you know everybody had spent years trudging up the hill and establishing things and, and going from a singles based thing to an album based thing to a thing to where we're in a in the world now where songs don't really matter yeah the way they did you know what i mean sure. building careers don't matter to the way analytics and and it's different now uh, branded relationships matter you know right and i know we're getting off base but these are the kinds of discussions that we have because right because we had seen so many changes in the industry. And part of the thing was he wanted to see people get back to writing good songs. You know, look, someone's bringing up a, a point just by just by mentioning a name, even though he said that about William Hung. Yeah, yeah. Clarkson, who's a huge Prince fan. Of oh, Hull, yeah. Yeah. Vin Diesel on her show last week and was like, who's better, Prince or Michael? And she's like, and he's like, oh, I don't know, it's hard. He's like, not. For, she's like, not for me, it's Prince. <laughs> yeah. But then you have where he did appreciate artists that were an idol, like Jennifer Hudson, who he yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's why I say the format, the format had to work for some people who was supposed to work for. Right. But overall, there is an aspect of it that is very. I, I, it's just, I, I don't know, it's just uncomfortable to watch sometimes because you understand that some people wait a lifetime to, to do what they do. When you when you understand Prince's journey, uh, hell, I understand anybody's journey, Herbie's journey, play piano at six. And, you know, uh, all these people who are great musicians and have great bodies of work that they've created, and now somebody who can come up on TV and just be a favorite can just scoop up the Q value and get a first contract that they'll see more money than you ever saw your whole career. Right. It's it's just unbelievable sometimes, you know. But we're all a party to, to it. We're all a part of this industry. So we have to look at what the industry is turning into and and you know, really figure out how we're gonna to use that or be a part of it, you know. And then with Idol, you know, I know that Nigel and the producers of American Idol were wanting Prince on for a while. Oh, yeah. Perform yeah. or to be a mentor. And then I hit up Ruth on a Monday night or maybe she hit me up and, it's, you know, before Idol two days later. And then she hits me up like, 
da, 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 da. I like I, she's like, I think we're doing American Idol on Wednesday. And I'm <laughs> like, do you want me to get it out? And she's like, not yet. But you know, it's going to be a surprise, but we want to let the fans know about it. Then yeah. so I wait 24 hours. I hit up Ruth. Is it, is it cool to put it out now? And I don't hear anything. And a few hours go by. Yes, put it out now. So then we're doing it early morning of Wednesday. And I put it on the org and other websites. And people are like, he's not doing American Idol. He's not doing this. And then one of the admins was like, going to lock the thread. And I went, look. And this was a problem that we were having. Because even though I was giving out information, yeah, there'd be certain stuff that they'd have so many different moderators. It wouldn't be one that we were working with, like anxiety. Yeah. And then I went, look, if this information is not true, you can delete my account if he doesn't perform or whatnot. So they kept it up for that. And then, of course, he did perform, even though he put on that little teaser, 3121, about idol worshiping and yeah. uh, quote from the Bible. And then people are like, wait, so he's not going to do it if he sings something like that. And I went, smoke and mirrors, baby, smoke and mirrors. Smoke mirrors. <laughs> I think that's what did it with Ruth. And then with American Idol was that the promise that we would have, and she wanted to make sure that now not just the fans were paying attention, we did things on a broader level. Yeah. So it was the next time it was like, we're doing this party. There's going to be celebrities there. I need you to get it out, yeah. but not the fan sites. Yeah. I need you to make a blog post. Yeah. And I'm going to do it on the New York Post or LA Times, but then I'm trying to make my own little blog format. And we did the little post, and then that's how Dr. Funkenberry was basically created is because the fan sites weren't listing or they get upset that I was getting information beforehand and they'd be hating on me. And if you think I get hate now, I was getting <laughs> hate then to where websites yeah. didn't want to do anything. They were just so pissed that Prince was dealing with me instead of dealing with the fan sites. But that, that's, that's what I always have to jump on people because they don't understand that, that – uh, you know, Prince used you intentionally, and you were a part of uh, his strategy. You know, really, when 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 he uh, took on the internet, and I'd come in there, and he'd be on his computer, he'd probably be on there with you or Sam or somebody. He would just be on there all night, and he spent just as much time on the computer as he did in the studio sometimes. Right. So, but you were strategically being used as part of his way to to see through and touch the community of fans and be able to also understand how to send messaging because he was very much into understanding the speed at which you can get someone's attention right he's used to always going analog so to speak so i'm, I'm going to walk from here to here i'm going to wear this i'm going to do this everything involves him and 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 this whole experience you have to be there in order to get a hundred percent of and then when the internet came along it's like just the inference of something was very powerful and just the inference of something in a controlled environment or directed environment was very powerful so he was very amazed by that and um i think that's part of the reason why it, it's so important for people to know it's is intentionally using you in particular and that's why for me, I don't have any problem when when I see all these people with all these other things going on, try and stand up and say something because they're not you. And like I always say, they don't have a um, a one-on-one experience. 
you know, when you have a one-on-one -on -one experience, you don't have to be validated by any group of people right. or anything else. You're, you're, you're totally fine. And now the reality is that inside of this new experience we have, which is we're all family members and he has moved on, we have to find the new place where, where we all settle in and are comfortable, you know? And I think it's just as, it's just as important, but people really need to understand that. You know, he was very intentional on how he utilized your connection to the fan base. And I appreciate you saying that and whatnot. It's just like, it literally, when I joined online 98, within months, there was communication going on, which just mm -hmm. blew my mind, especially when there was stuff going on that I wasn't aware of with Sam Jennings being Sam Nation and then other people and being part of something called the collective. And then Sam was doing stuff, but then here you had the music club. Mm. And then what you're talking about is the MPG music club chat room. And I would enter in the room and then here would be Paisley Park 4, Paisley Park 7. So they were kind of like watching everyone, but they weren't in the room. Then mm. they would go into the room and Paisley Park 7 was Prince, Paisley Park 4, I believe was Manuela. You had other people that would be yeah. or Larry or other stuff. And then we would have, and it's not like we went to a separate room. We would have it in the room while other people were watching. We'd have these discussions for hours. Yeah. About love, about religion, about music, about masters. And we were having this stuff. And, you know, he knew J7 and he'd like play games. Like it'd be like, I remember it was before he was going to do musicology on Leno with Mel mm -hmm. Gibson on there. And he's like, Hey, J seven. He popped into the room on a Friday morning. He's like, Hey, J seven, see you Monday. And I went Monday, but Leno's on Tuesday. And like, he already left the room. And then he came back in, pays the park seven into the room. He goes, I know leaves the room. <laughs> and then, then we hear by the end of the day that there's going to be a press conference on Monday at the El Rey Theater and the fans are involved. But we would have this relationship. And that's what people don't understand is that he knew who J7 was. Uh -huh. And then as J7 became Funkenberry, he knew it was. But he also, he saw my face at the house parties and other stuff, but he didn't put it together that it was all the same person because when he tried to have conversations with me in person, I would ignore him and have my date talk to him. <laughs> like, you guys want drinks? I let her, let them, whoever I brought, yeah. I let them talk. Yeah. Uh, and thank you to Ruth for that. But that's why, like, I make sure to bring females with me. So yeah. I wasn't sticking out like a sore thumb because he was trying to figure out who I was. Yeah. No, yeah. But I appreciate that. And that's, and again, here it is. Ruth was just trying to have a suggestion of a blog post that wasn't on the org. And yeah. then I decided with that post to make Dr. Funkenberry. And okay. then we had all these different things happening all at the same time, the Britney Spears incident, and then Courtney Love posting about her. And then she was actually someone getting her and Kelly Clarkson mixed up and she was so pissed. Her mentioning me on her website and her social media accounts of bringing attention to my site. And I wasn't even around a week yet. Wow. So we had Prince News, we had the Britney stuff because that was happening two blocks from my house. And then the, the person, the place where she shaved her head, I almost went into business with them opening up a restaurant. So I knew her. 
so I had information on that and then the Courtney stuff. And then it was just absolutely ridiculous. But wow. played into it. And then because of Ruth, because these other things, I with every year that went by until the last week of his life, I was being more and more involved. And I will, I will say, and I, I'm going to leave this. On, I just feel somewhat disrespected where you have people that that you know may have been around before or have like now been more vocal since he passed away. Mm -hmm. that are trying to do what I do or did, and I still continue to do. Yeah, and it's not like as as Ronnie would say, give him his flowers. But I know that they don't want to bring up my name because it hurts their game. Yeah, you know, I I I can fully understand how you feel like that. I feel similarly when um, when right when he passed away, there was all this hubbub going on around Paisley, this Paisley, that, and. You know, I I remember when I got off the plane and came to meet him uh, at Paisley, Paisley was inactive and not working. And so every time I go there now, I'm going like, everybody who's positioned around here getting a check, you need to thank me because we worked really hard to make this place work again. Because right. it was inoperable, and and I really feel, you know, I feel the same way. I feel like, wow, if I don't say something about this, uh, it's going to go unsaid, and everybody's going to act like it was just always here, just a magical little land, and, and that's not the way it was. Right. But it's just part of the thing that happens when you're, um, when your job is about service and your your dedication is to service part of the thing you have to realize is that it's never about you it's always about the bigger picture in the long run um everything that happened happened the way it was supposed to happen and i'm glad that you know people do that because it shows me who they are and who they're not and it's work done. I'm very proud of what we did. I'm very proud of the opportunities that I got and the, the doors that were open and just everything, the whole relationship spawned on something for me in my life that's irreversible. Um, like I said, if I had never picked up his phone call to me and said, yes, I'll come out there, I would not have my 13-year-old daughter because I would have never met her mom. I never got married. We never had her. So aside from the great music and all that, my my being involved in it was strictly so my daughter could be born. It had nothing to do with any of what I would get if people do or do not know I came here and I did something at one time, you know. But it, it, it does make you, you know, when you put your time in the game, and I'm 43 years into music. It, it, you want your, you want your credit for what you've honorably done. Um, but sometimes it's up to you to do that. Sometimes it's up to us. We have to do it in our own way because we are older. And when you're older, the the new young crowd doesn't look at things the same all the time. So you have to be very careful on how you wave your own flag and, and credit yourself and do so. It's just part of the game. It's just part of the game. 
But, you know, people know, people know, and, 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 you know, the quality rises. Like I said, this discussion today, the fact that, you know, you can take us on a journey through the music and just the, the, the message part of the music and talk about the things we talk about. You can only do that if you're really close to something. You can't do it if you have no connection to it. A lot of the people who are around now, it's, it's very hard because they have no connection other than they want to be someplace that they couldn't be when he was alive because he would have nothing to do with most of these people. So, <laughs> and that's a fact. So <laughs> that, that's real and that's just the way it is. Um, but, you know, I think it's part of our role because we were there and we were, we did share time with him that um, we keep everybody honest. We keep everybody honest. At least I, we did that. Yeah. It's a little bit harder now. Yeah. At least walls. <laughs> yeah. Um, someone that something said, I just want to bring it up, because someone said, would Prince be embracing live streaming from Paisley Park? Now, 100%. He was on live streaming earlier than a lot of people with 2014. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of plans that we had um, for Paisley when we completed the the things that I have a whole file of all the concepts and ideas that we had and some of them we were working on some of them we had gotten all the way to having meetings and doing stuff with and so it was it was huge the the things he wanted to do and what he wanted to make that place the the um, right contact point for but a lot of it that has to do a lot of the follow through on that has to do with the subsequent people that came afterward and their intent on servicing him and doing what he liked or doing what was in the best interest of what they wanted to do. So, you know, when you when you in service to somebody, you can you can do what it is that you're asked to do and dedicate yourself to them, or you can try and construct it so that you think you're in control of something. At no time did I think I was in control of anything. So, and I did not want to be the person I worked with. What's interesting is in July of 2013, we were hanging out at Paisley when he was um, rehearsing for Montreux. He was telling me live stream is the future. Yeah. Well, yeah. There was an incident with a fan later in the year or later that summer that basically caused him to go away from live stream a little bit. But for the first time in a long time, uh, January 23rd, 2016, he mm -hmm. live streamed his DJ set from Pace. Oh, okay, yeah. So he was getting back into it, but he, he didn't want to go away from it because they were, he was trying to figure out ways to, along with Trevor Guy, we mm -hmm. had conversations where we were going to take it away from this recast format and put it up on live stream. We wanted to make sure that, that the show and comments were going to be doing it to where Prince and Trevor, and it was mostly Trevor having the discussions of that they were going to do like a paid format for me to where you can have the shows be a different thing. And they were doing it for free. So here it was the shows that they were doing when they would go live from concerts or share footage you know, they were doing on the free format and they were going to try to do with my show and make it a paid format. And I even had conversations with Trevor after 4.21.16 about doing that because mm -hmm. I didn't like the video formats of YouTube at the time. 
The only thing that came through COVID was StreamYard and Zoom and these other things. Spreecast was so far ahead of itself that yeah. they weren't in demand then and then they went under. Albeit I have all the old shows, but people can't access it. I need to upload them one by one. Um, but it's just, he was totally on it and totally yeah. about it. And when he was, he was saying it, even though maybe not in 2013, but he was like, live streaming is the future. Yeah. Live streaming is where it's at. And here we are, you know, COVID happening and so many things having to do it. He would have been doing so many shows from Paisley and people bring up verses between him and MJ. He wouldn't have done that. He would have done a no. of himself versus himself. That's exactly what he would have done. And then he would have been like, he's like, you know what he would have done? He would have been doing some old thing and he's like, I got to get this new song out of my system. Yeah. And be dropping. He would have done it. 80s, 90s, and then he would have cut to the live studio. Exactly. <laughs> he would have been playing along with him, these other things, because it would have allowed him. And this is it. Like, I remember him in the early days of the music club bringing up about how he wanted to be. It was like the D'Angelo video where D'Angelo was all like the different players, whether it was the drummer, guitarist, bassist. Mm -hmm. And Prince was wanting to be able to do that, to play with himself. And then you had someone like Ed Sheeran who was figuring out, okay, he plays a little bit of the guitar and then he puts it in the loop and he plays a little bit on the board. I was waiting for Prince to be able to do something like that. And probably if he was here, which he's not, unfortunately, that's what he probably would have done with the verses is being able to set stuff up in a studio and be his own band and really be a true one man band. Yeah. And Dave, this has been asked you before, but it's always, always have to do it. What years of service did you work for Prince? People are asking. 2003 to 2010. There you go. So that's a while. And Prince years. That's Prince years. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot of time. Yeah. That's that's Minnesota and Los Angeles and a couple other places. Yeah, from Paisley and then Paisley Park West, as you guys would call it. Yeah. Greg, I see your comments. Thank you so much for the love on that. And yes, for Trevor as well. Um, not going to get some other things. <clears throat> I could see Prince doing verses of this Purple Family past and present. I'm sure they mean band members and others, people that play. Mm -hmm. So, but yes. And Robin made sure to, to clock in of like an over 40 real time. That's what I mean by decades. <laughs> years. It's not even like dog years. It's in Prince years. Especially when time is a trick although i love like i think it was morris hayes or whatever like he's telling us time is a trick and then when we relate to rehearsals he's like i'm gonna dock your pain he's like but time's a trick right <laughs> gotta love stuff like that and again we've had scotty on and you on so many times that there's always yeah. stuff that we haven't covered just like you bringing up scotty being the sound engineer for third eye girl so already we have stories because yeah. i know that scotty's gonna want to get back his because he was holding the record for the longest show for a while of three hours. And then Steve <laughs> Yeah, well, I'd, I'll do it with him. I, I, we love coming on here. You know, I think, I think, uh, I don't, I don't know if he did sound for them I, as much as uh, I remember Scotty specifically telling me that uh, Prince had called him down there to talk to the band, to talk to all the girls and, just spend time with him and explain to them kind of what it's like to to work with him. 
right. and just have coffee with them and sit down and, and just rap with them. And I think part of that is because uh, it was it was a new thing for Prince to be involved in the in the um, execution of doing this all girl band. So you had to find somebody who technically and that would be Scotty who could give them the breakdown of what's required and look at it in a new way to kind of let them know what they're getting themselves into, you know, because it, 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 it's not, it's not a regular situation and it's really not a regular situation at that time when he was configuring that particular band, you know, you're trying to now fill a, an image that he has in his creative mind. And that's that's a whole nother thing. So that's why he would call somebody like a Scotty because Scotty has that eye for what needs to happen on the other side. Not only the, the side he knows what's predictable, what Prince is gonna do, it's the it's the musicianship and how you meet him as he's in motion going to his dream, you know. So it's it's real important just the chronology that people when you look at everything he created he, he really took the time to mold it well you know as best he could and the people around him were, were really good at doing that everybody around him was really good at at taking some part of it and making it visible vis visible or actual or real so that he goes okay he'll go, i'm ready to go and and you know that's why that's why you know this this uh thing with the shoes i saw the little I, somebody put it up on facebook today but it's you know it's just the tip of the iceberg really it's the tip of the iceberg yes there are a lot of shoes yes there and, we, uh, and it's a great place to start but it's it's there's so much more to the story than just the wardrobe and the shoes so much more to the story and and so much more when you you know the the wardrobe and the shoes and all that those are just the physical trappings you, you got to get inside this dude's head and understand he was thinking non-stop from the time he was put here to the time he left he was thinking about music and creating and, and just giving the best of what he had and that's you don't find too many people like that you just don't you just don't right you know definitely on so many different things with that and just going forward and how he just constantly was thinking ahead. Yeah. And yeah. whether it was shoes, which is cool with the outfits and everything going on to that because the detail, but look, when, when there was news items being sent to me, not everything was sent to me. I'd find out stuff yeah. and post it, but there would be times where he'd send little blurbs and I'm like the way that he wrote it, even when he had Howard Bloom, being his agent mm -hmm. and then the lady as well who i did we did stuff for madonna whose name escapes me right now i went holy crap he was writing his own press releases even back then so not only was he singing performing yeah tours booked even though you have alan leeds and other people do that that he was also doing his own freaking press releases because it, it's amazing he did it, but it's also it shows that he was very controlling and he wanted to make sure that it was done the right way and he didn't want it out in the press like, no, I don't want I that. think that's that's really what it was. And you don't find anybody who's 
first of all, you're not ever going to find a person of color who has a career in entertainment that does not take it personally and does not, if they're successful at it, they got to understand every aspect and be have their finger on the button to be able to control perception because that's the number one thing. I, I do the same thing in my career and I'm not, not nobody, I don't write songs, but but I do every press release, I do everything longhand, I, and I have to because you're, you're all you got. And you're the only checks and balances there is. And after a certain amount of time in the business, on my side, on the service side, I become high-priced insurance. So I have to maintain a certain quality and I have to control that. I can't let other people speak for me and do things and, and go off the, off the board. You know, that's the thing I think with artistry that is missing is that that control factor of being able to put your fingers on the buttons and be able to get on your computer at night and talk to a Funkenberry, right? <laughs> and you don't, you don't see Michael didn't do that. <laughs> right. And those are, those are some of the subtle differences in how people handled their careers. Some people relied on an army of people to, to put things in motion. Oh, I feel like this. I feel like the wind. I feel like this. And then they had to define the wind and bring the wind in, you know. Uh, and then there's people like Prince who you come in late at night and he's on the computer. <laughs> and he's doing it himself. Got his sleeves rolled up, doing it himself. And, and it's just... Is just that dedication to what you want to do. It doesn't mean one is better than the other. It just means that that attention to detail you have to have in order to navigate parts of your career. And if you're, uh, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, if you're a person of color and you, you have come to that conclusion, it's worked for you in many ways because the world is not set up to create equal participation on every level. So, so when we're good at something and, and we, we've worked at it most of the time. And Ken has this question. I'll be going to tell you guys. Did Prince want to hear about any problems from you, or did he want to hear how you solved the problems? Um, I was more or less, uh, I would like to share with him the truth about what I found. I would always share with him the problems after we had gotten through them my biggest thing in not only principal, most of my clients is just telling them and assuring them that everything's going to be all right. I'll take on the burden of figuring out how to get through whatever we're about to go through. But, um, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't scared of him. I didn't work scared and I didn't, I just tried to have conversations that made sense. He was somebody who didn't like to waste words or time. So, you don't waste time being descriptive about something that didn't happen. Nobody has a meeting about what's not going to happen. Right. So, so you cut your losses and you're very succinct about what's going on. And if something is, is occurring, we, we would have some, some conversations, you know, when, when he would go down to the vault and he'd bring up stuff and it would tear up on the tape machine. And I'd say, well, you know, we really need to do this, this, and this. And he said, no, that's all right. And I'd say, okay, well, and then you bring another tape up and do the same thing. 
and said, well, we really need to do this, this, and this. Can I talk to you for a second? Here's what we need to do. We need to, and that's why when we got to this whole thing about the tapes, the tapes, the tapes, I'm going like, I've had this conversation with him, just like I'm talking to you. And the minute I said it twice, explained the whole thing, told him what other people were doing, he didn't want to have anything to do with it, not just for any other reason than I feel. He's the type of person that once those songs and those ideas were committed to tape, if he pulled a tape from the vault and brought it in the studio and we were able to bring it up, we brought it up and used it. If we brought it up and it crumbled right on the tape machine and, and, and just was not able to be used, it wasn't supposed to be used. And I think he was that full of ideas that he didn't look at archiving the way that recordists and people like engineers look at archiving. He looked at it as, uh, those are my old tapes, that's my old stuff, that's my masters, okay? But he didn't look at it in, in, in the same way because he always had ideas coming in his head. But, you know, but it's, it's, it's very interesting um, to have conversations with somebody like that when what they have is eventually going to become valuable, you know. But again, I was having these conversations in 2004, and I had no idea that this was the last greatest creative period of his life, you know, and that we were going to be doing. I had no idea of what would happen in 20, 2015 or whenever, you know, whenever it happened, 2016. Um, you know, and uh, I don't think I could have changed his mind because I was real, you know, I, I was real thorough with how I did other things and got everything happening, but I couldn't have changed his mind. He just felt like that, you know. So that's why it's interesting to see what it's the journey of his music and his tapes has turned into today because of where he was in the conversation, you know. And I know, like, because someone's going to bring this will per proceed to a question, but I know, like, say, with Julia or with Karen, there'd be like a list of things to go over with Prince in the morning of like asking her what they wanted to accomplish or what they were going to do. And then, because Jamie has this question, would Prince call for any team meetings on days when you weren't expecting her, or would he let his team know? That goes back to Karen and other people like going through stuff originally. I never worked with Karen. I only worked with Ruth and Ruth and I had our own communication down. And when, when I needed to talk to her, she called me. And when I needed to, to reach out to her, I reached out to her. We, she would give me the, when he's coming in, what's going on, the schedule. If he wasn't in town, she'd let me know. And then whenever he was there, it was just nonstop music, nonstop service. And then I always had to, to keep in mind what we had to accomplish for him and then what we had to accomplish if Ruth had something lined up for him in Minnesota, but she wasn't there. And then what time he had to be back on the plane back to, to meet the band or back to get back to L.A. with her. So we always had um, a way. We just developed a dance of efficiency. That's the best way I can put it. Just a dance of efficiency. It was never any. It, look, there was nothing else to do. My my goal when I signed on with him was to be there for him, 
So I had nothing else battling my time. So it was just, okay, he's coming in. This is what we're going to do. Nonstop this, this, and this. Let's work on these songs. Let's get these albums out. And they, Or he'd come down and he, you know, like one day he came down and he, we had created this place where you could, you could go in one room and you could work on the album cover and the artwork and the, all the shit. And then you go in the next room, you could do the next thing. You come down to the studio. So he went up there, worked on artwork, worked on the thing. Then he makes a call to Michael Bland and Sonny. And then he comes in and he throws the CD with the cover already on it and the artwork and the words. <laughs> and he goes, okay, we're going to work on this tonight. And we worked from probably 12 noon to 7.30, 8.30 the next morning, and then had to have the whole thing mixed to him by 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock when he got on the plane. <laughs> and nonstop. It's nonstop. Because Femi would be talking about that when he was the recording it, and he'd be like, okay, start mixing it. By yeah. the time Femi was done mixing, Prince would go, you're done? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, you throw it at him, and he's like, here's the artwork, here's the lyrics. He'd have yeah. everything already made. He was just like, yeah. He wasn't sleeping. He wasn't getting something to eat. He wasn't watching. No, the he was getting it all out of his system. Yeah. That was what was so cool because. I literally hadn't been in, a, in a, something like that in years. And and then still, when I was doing stuff early on in my career in the record company system, it was never that smooth and efficient where the artists would just come down and do this. But that was what was good about, at that time, working with artists directly because you, you get the sense of what you're doing is straight from them and it's going to be, you're going to see it just the way it, you, you completed it. And that is really special. You don't find that, you know, now, nowadays when you have an album that's done by a company, you got so many people at the company who are given their impression on what it's supposed to be. It's not really fun. They extract all the fun and, and camaraderie out of it. You know, it's a different place. The studio is a different place nowadays and music has different goals. When you walk in, when I walk in a studio now to work with people, I have to sit and listen to the conversations to answer the questions for me. Are these people musical or are they business? And then I'll go from there. If I'm going to be there, I have to figure out, okay, what do you need me to do? And at the end of it, are we creating something or are we just getting everybody paid? What are we doing? What are we right. doing? Because it's, you got to be about something in order for it to, to, to progress. So Mostly all the products, I, the projects I choose to be involved in to this day are stem from they, they do something, they leave something, or they're, they're about a bigger concept than just getting paid. You know, 100%. I know we're about to be hitting at the two hour mark of Dave being. Oh, on. okay. We're we marathon, John. Because <laughs> I, I, I know me and you, we can yeah. be. <laughs> we'll never hit Rodney numbers or Clubhouse yeah. doing 15 hours, but we yeah. could. We just don't want, you know. Hey, it's okay. Like, whatever whatever we need to do, I'm cool. I'm cool. Well, I was just going to open it up for questions. So, so, like, to see if people had any questions for you that didn't have to do with the political stuff. Of course, that was the subject that started off the show, but this is what it goes into is we cover yeah. other aspects. So, Sal wants to know if you, and if you can talk about it, who have you been working with lately? Um, 
Well, I still work for the Miles Davis estate. I also work for the estate of Bill Withers. So I've been doing some stuff with the Bill Withers estate. I also work for 1500 or nothing, which are the young producers and, and songwriters, Jay-Z's backup band, but they do virtually everything nowadays. And, um, we're building a big studio complex for them in Los Angeles. And that, that's the only reason why I took that gig several years ago, 2018, was because I uh, got to the project and after I walked around, I was walking around in what Prince had described to me he wanted to see education and music turn into. And these young guys had never met him and they had designed and, and thought of a way to teach music and to interact with the new creatives in such a way as to give them ownership in the game and give them a chance at, at having a stake in what they do. And that, I thought that was real impressive. So um, that's what motivated me to, to do the project. So I'm working with that. I also am working on a project in Tennessee for uh, Uncle Nearest Whiskey. Um, the world's biggest bar and music venue is being designed. So I've been doing the systems and, and designing all those systems and back and forth out there. That should open up later this year. And then uh, working with Resorts World in Las Vegas, there's another facility and studio going in there. And then a couple others, but that's that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. All right, someone. I, I find it funny because if if you did, I would have already been on you. But I think it's because you were in Nashville, and I didn't even think of that. So I goes, if Dave says he's been working with Taylor Swift, I'm out. No, <laughs> no, I no, I nothing against Taylor. Look, nothing against Taylor Swift. It's just not not my cup of tea. Uh, I I've spent some time in the studio because of my working with 1500 and and uh in particular rants uh uh and uh <clears throat> james fauntleroy i've spent time in the studio with uh bruno mars and some of the other artists that they work with and and do songs with and, and produce um so I'm not against working with new artists and younger artists. I just, for me, the right now, the transition is into production that people are now, through COVID, people have been doing a lot on their own. So they're, they're investing a lot in themselves. Right. And so that rings my bell for, to set people up to, to do that. But I still have the legacy groups that I serve and, and, and those, those accounts are flourishing and have always been flourishing. And then I'm still writing books and I'm still making my products and still make my speakers and do all that stuff. So there's so many sides and facets to it, but I'm still actively involved in, in new younger music, but um, in an advisory capacity is the best best thing I could do. And I dig Halsey, I dig BB Rex, and there's a few others. Yeah. Taylor Swift is my cup of tea. She's my bag of chips. She's that. <laughs> now well, she calls and she's got the numbers. I'll I'll take the meeting. So, okay. so <laughs> I, mean, look, I have five hundred songs. There's got to be one of yeah. her. 
one of mine that would be good for her. But just saying she got a man now, so it's different. But I, I appreciate <laughs> her and I respect her as an artist, yeah. not that. But that's what makes her even more attractive to me. Yeah. That, yeah. Now, people, you know, they're asking what was, you know, Dave would be an engineer at Paisley and other stuff. If the Prince Estate, Dave, asked you to remaster Prince albums in his catalog that have been released, what Prince album would you remaster? Would Do you feel comfortable answering that question? I, I think uh, I would do anything from my time period. I'm not a mastering engineer, but I, I could take on the I could take on the responsibility of producing the end result. I would do anything from our period, from 2003 to 2010. I would do anything. I That's where I feel the most confident because I know the decisions we made in the studio to create the sound that the studio had during that period. I studied the music that came before to be able to at least be competitive or make 3121 have a sound that that was on par with the rest of the things in this catalog for sure you know on that and i love her as well there's other artists i want to make sure i'm not oh, her hers i love her i'd work with her in a minute you know <laughs> yeah yeah i love her yeah she's she's the real deal there's so many artists that i like and i just constantly on it olivia rodrigo i appreciate her but yeah She's kind of young, but I, I just like that she was <laughs> able to get in this teen angst and then people that were big Alanis set fans yeah. tell me that they it, like it brought them back to that. It's like they haven't been a teenager in years, but they're like they're feeling her anger and all this other stuff. Oh, big time. Yeah. yeah. And of course, people giving you a lot of love for the 3121 era. 3121 is magic, the dance. Yeah. Um, so what key song that was created during your watch gave you goosebumps when you first heard it what song that was created during my watch yeah oh uh, happy feet for a song of the heart song of the heart that was huge huge all right i have a question for you although if you don't want to answer it because i think who were the back the backup singers on song of the heart who were the female backup singers oh i don't know okay I have a feeling who they were and they weren't exactly credited, but well, <laughs> I, I don't want to say a name and then I'm going to get a text like you, why the heck did you mention that on it? I don't know because, yeah. because when I, when I left him doing happy feet, I had just turned a tape room into the, into studio D mm. and he cut the happy feet song in the smallest room that we created studio D and he cut it and sent it and gave it to, to Ian to mix. So whoever they called into A to do the backgrounds, that's who did it. But Prince worked in the small studio I created to do the Happy Feet song. Yeah. And so that was why that one was special. There's a lot of them like that that is special where he used something I made for him or he did, you know, just little shit like that that only I get off on, you know. But um, that one was special because it was the nature of it was motion picture and it was not related to anything. It was just pure, I'm doing this for this. And and I like things like that. For sure. Yes, I like Haim as well. Come on. Yeah, Haim's good too. Rodney, uh, he goes, what DB level was Prince Lim one set at? <laughs> the LM1 the, that... that uh, Bruce Forat 
and I modified has a 20 dB hotter level than any other drum machine on the market. So we specifically hot rodded his drum machine so that it was louder than any drum machine on the planet. Right. <laughs> and people are like, when, when are you and Scotty going to do a master class? We'll see for my birthday show. Maybe we'll do August 4th, but we'll see. Go ahead with that. Um, you know, talk to Rodney because I talked to Rodney about 365 doing something. That's fine. And, and, and uh, um, well, whenever you guys want to put something together, I'm always down. Um, Scotty and I know exactly how we could be used specifically either by Paisley or, or for the music community or whatever. And I think it would be beneficial, but it's it's really just up to the powers that be to, to put it in, in progress. Absolutely. Now, Greg has this question, although I know the answer, I'm gonna do it so you can bring up the person's name and give them credit. Did Dave mix the word? No. Who did? I don't know. You don't know? But who worked on the album on that stuff? It was, oh. our, you know, uh probably ian and lisa and in box hill yeah yeah and Kalik. yeah now yeah. can we talk about something and this is why i didn't have ian on my show before what was what was going on with deliverance hold, hold on for a second hold on for a second probably has a phone call but um we'll bring it off when i have a question of that or maybe we're not supposed to ask it let me pull Dave off for a minute. When he comes back, we'll put it on. Um, I hope you guys have been enjoying the show. This is what we do. We start off with political, like one topic, and then we go into the mix, especially with Dave's knowledge of stuff. We could do this for hours, but I don't know how much longer uh, I'm going to be able to uh, go with it with this heat and then the air being on full blast. I'm getting sick from it. But um, <clears throat> he will answer that question about deliverance for sure. You know, um, this is what we try to do. And I was um, trying to have uh, Stasia Lang on the show on Friday to talk about the shoe collection. Um, but I feel that she feels after the CBS this morning, that's the last thing that she wants for a while. But I want to give Stasia her props on helping with that in the shoe collection. So unfortunately, we will be doing a different show on Friday. Um, but I do want, I'm putting it out there, people that are gonna be taking the tour um, over the next few days after it opens on Friday, I would like to have you guys on the show for next Friday on that. But now let's get back to Dave and see if uh, he wants to answer that question about deliverance. And my question of it was that Know, there was the whole controversy of him putting it out and him feeling that the Princess A Valley didn't have the rights to it. But here it is now, although it hasn't been released on um, a physical format. Deliverance is available on the Prince YouTube channel, the official ones and tracks from it. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that? Is that just so it doesn't get bootlegged a lot or how, you know, we know how everything played out and that was kind of weird. But when do you think they will ever, instead of just having on the YouTube I channel? Think that, I think they will eventually do something with it. I think um, having been around when part of that album was done and being a part of the court case, mm -hmm. I can just say from my opinion, 
that album is necessary as part of his discography because it represents where he was in his faith walk uh, in and around that time and after. So we know he went through his period where he was Jehovah's Witness um, coming out of that and going into, in particular, some of the messaging on deliverance, it goes to a, a, a little bit different message other than the Jehovah's Witness message. But um, it's important that that album get out there because it's reflective of where his mindset was. Plain and simple. <clears throat> he has his musical ideas and and those are, you know, it's real. It's real. It's unfortunate that um, the litigation and everything else that, that went down went down, but <clears throat> there was no way that that wasn't going to happen with the particular people that were involved, you know, and that's, that's not, I'm not talking about Ian now. I'm talking about the other people that were involved in that food chain. So, <laughs> um mm-hmm. You know, that was a very interesting little, it's some of these things in entertainment that happen are like slow motion, you know. Um, When you see something and you go, okay, well, here's how this can go down. It can either happen like this, this, or this, or you don't do nothing. You know, for me, I didn't do nothing. You know, when he passed away, I'm like, okay, I just closed ranks and and my mind is my mind. My memories are my memories and, and... I know what happened where. Um, when you're entrusted with hard drives and songs and you're working on stuff and you're left in that kind of situation, you have a responsibility that, okay, do I do I do this to here? Do I do this to here? And if you're unsure, then it's up to you to create a plan. But it's, it's rough in this one because there's nothing that Ian could have done that didn't put him in a position where he was going to be vilified. Um, Some of the people that were involved that are no longer around um, did their best to use him as a a tool, use him as a a distracting point, you know. And um, I've known Ian Ian a long time. I brought Ian into the situation because I worked with Ian early on with Babyface and everybody else. And I brought Ian to this situation because he was an engineer who, unlike the others, he had technical experience, which I really appreciate. So he helped me troubleshoot and do a lot of the stuff I needed to do. But moreover, he had experience building careers in the era of rap. So he worked on a lot of Tupac records. He worked on a lot of Babyface records and some other stuff because I had met him uh, when I was doing uh, work with Babyface and I had used him a lot there and uh, I just always liked his way of working is very neat, organized and really knew how to, I could stick him in a room and he could work by himself he didn't need, oh I gotta have an assistant, I gotta have this, he didn't have a bunch of uh, unmet need and that's the kind of mindset you need when you're gonna create a team of people to service somebody like Prince and they got along good, which I knew they would. And it was just a, it was just a great creative thing that we had 
with all the engineers. Every engineer had their own personality. And when Prince wanted to work with, with Ian, he would call Ian. When he wanted Lisa, he would call Lisa. When he wanted uh, Kalik, he would call Kalik. He, he would just specifically want to spend time with each of them on certain songs. And so I think that was important because he had never had this <clears throat> concentration of knowledge around him and experience and and in particular black knowledge he had never had a big crew like that and up to that point femi was the only person of color who was in his life as an engineer in charge of his music that was it and femi was off doing stevie stevie's engineer right so you know in we come and and i just was trying to figure out a direction but i was also trying to figure out where where this is going and what does it feel like and that's part of the reason why um you know i brought ian and, and everybody else in. i also had ralph sutton there ralph sutton is a experienced motown engineer work with lionel richie work with stevie and so he we had we had plenty of people there who represent all different aspects Khalid came because he's a experienced engineer work with quincy jones work with kenny rogers and you know, just had a wealth of experience all the way around the table. And and that was part of the reason why. So, you know, I know the question started out as about deliverance, but I can't speak about deliverance without talking about Ian, without talking about any of the engineers, because that's that's just part of the work that was done there. You know, it's it's something that was on his mind that project was on his mind he wanted to do it the way he did it the lyrical content everything the the, the girl choirs everything that he asked ian to put on there he put on there and he did that album while he was involved in in other things so he was flying in and out and then he you know leave the stuff with ian say hey can you put uh, some female vocalists on this and put this and this is just part of what we would normally do because he would leave sometimes and he'd give you the responsibility of putting producing a track, you know, and that's just part of what happens. So these are the things that people don't see that when things get into litigation, it gets really ugly because they try and turn it into this whole other thing. Right. And it's not really like that. It's really <clears throat> just shared experience, but it's hard in Ian's case because deliverance was primarily his project he was working on with Prince. Uh, he didn't really have too many uh, outside uh, people working on it. And at the time, uh, officially, he was an outside engineer because uh, I was still at Paisley, but he had returned to Los Angeles. So he was technically an independent. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where, where uh, you know, everything that is on there needs to be heard, needs to be heard for what it is. You need to listen to the song title, listen to the lyrics like we're talking about here, because a person's belief system in their religious journey has a lot to do with who they are at different times in their life. Uh -huh. And that's why deliverance is, is just as important and just as impactful, because it is it is him. It is not anybody else's reflection of him. This isn't somebody putting together an album after he died. No, uh -uh. this is him. This is, this is, this is what he was, was on his mind. And uh, I think it's very crucial though, when, um, 
you look at just what it means to 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 do an album like that. And I'll put it like that because if you've listened to any of the songs and so you know these these songs speak directly to faith-based principles, but some of them are not the Jehovah-based principles. Mm-hmm. So someone had this question. That's understandable with all that. Yeah. Is Miles Davis's catalog stored in Iron Mountain as well? Uh, there are aspects of it that are, and there are aspects of it that are shared with the Sony. Sony Legacy has their own um, <clears throat> archiving system. So some of the stuff is under Sony Legacy, and then the personal stuff is, is in another location. So um, I have the responsibility primarily of a lot of the personal stuff and some of the um, unique music holdings of his. And then anything that comes out as a as a, a new album for Miles is uh, usually generated from Sony Legacy or somewhere in in, in that camp. Interesting on that one. Yeah, a YouTube more more of a statement than a question, Tara. Like I would love to see Dave work with Eric Leeds to do some instrumental album of some of Prince's work. Oh, that'd be fun. I like Eric. I like Eric's plan. Yeah, there you go. I like all those guys. I like uh, all the all the band members. I really like from years past. Um, they're all they all really are solid musicians, and I think that's one thing that's missing is a good instrumental album. I think the other thing is missing is you know, Prince Songbook. They need to get together and get Prince's Songbook together. You know, there's a lot of things that uh, a lot of uh, if we just had a conversation about his archive and his and the way they're going about uh, doing his legacy, they are all over trying to release material, but they haven't done a damn thing when it comes to creating printed music and a record of how to take his his music into schools and teach it. Hmm. And the first thing you do is work on a songbook. You know, we're just about finished. Bill's been dead a year and a half. We were working on his songbook before he passed. So it's real important that you you do these things in a chronological order when somebody moves on because there's only so much time you have to organize that. But it is uh, that sheet music is an active piece of, of history from their lives. Doesn't mean you put all the stuff there, but the primary things you can put there, you know. <clears throat> and people are in agreement about the songbook. Um, Sterling had this from Facebook. Would you both rather hear that Deliverance release touched up in original form or both in the future? I'll let you have that one. What would we? I don't. I don't understand the question. Would do they want Deliverance released how it is in its original form, <clears throat> or touched up a bit? I, I would release it how it is. Um, there's no need to touch it up. However, um, part of the thing that the journey that the sometimes archivists and people who work with catalogs get into is that they want accolade. Mm-hmm. So for that, they will retouch things that don't necessarily need to be touched so that they can say remixed, remastered, reimagined by so-and-so and then they can be nominated for a Grammy for best album package. And, you know, all this stuff is just part of what goes into the mechanics of 
touching a resource after it's already been established. Absolutely. Most of Prince's work is already established. It already is solid. <clears throat> For people to come in and assign engineers who have no history of working with Prince and no idea of anything, it turns into a political nightmare because you're then going, well, why would they get this person and all these other engineers are alive from the era that this took place? Wouldn't it make better sense for the accurate chronology of record to bring the engineers from that era and at least pool them and ask them questions and have that as part of the record? Well, it would if that was what they were trying to do. But these are other people trying to build careers off of his music. So you have to you have to let the game play out and let people be who they're going to be. Unfortunately, that's part of the the downside of it is that if they're less than honorable, then they go on this journey of having to retouch things and oh, we had to do this and we had to do that. And you don't have to do nothing. That shit is tight the way it is. <laughs> and just want to give a shout out quickly because Rodney coming here supporting the show. Yes. Uh, you know, 365 groups <laughs> on Sundays, uh, usually on, Sunday, yeah. on the, dang it, Clubhouse format. And, of course, you have David Belgrave in here as well, yeah. where he's part of Clubhouse Quake on Saturdays, uh, Pacific time out here around 1030 in the morning, usually when they're doing shows. So keep an eye on that. Follow them on the Clubhouse, Clubhouse format, Rodney Fitzgerald and David Belgrave. Prince 365 and Clubhouse Quake for those. So I'll put that out there. So we're all supporting each other. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, someone said, let me go back up. And this is why I wish I can cue stuff up. How can we teach the, the young, the young, basically kids or teenagers Prince's music? How can we teach them that? That's a tough question. There's a lot that that can cover. Well, yeah, I mean, that part of that is the reason why I think all of us at some point in time, uh, we all trying to monitor to see what Paisley and what the estate is doing in an organized fashion, because we all support the propagation of his music and the spreading of it out there to as many people as possible. But it, it helps if you have the governing body or the main organization that's associated with him. That's such a strong physical location for them not to have a forward thinking plan on exploiting all the assets that exist and accurately taking his music to these different marketplaces. Um, it'd be very easy to do it, but it would be a issue that I don't think will come about until another I'll, I'll give it maybe another two, three years. You got to you got to let everything subside. You got to let you got to realize how many any how many people have come and gone who were supposed to be bettering the experience of the Prince Paisley Park journey. And we have to watch all these people collectively try and then lose lose their opportunity and then try and then lose their opportunity for then it to come around and eventually say hey why don't we see what else can be done and then a sensible conversation will kick in right. about seven years down the road <laughs> 
And, uh, you know, but I think there's always new software companies, always some new things that that if you apply prints to it, it would not be a bad medium to use as a teaching tool. I, but but again, you have to be looking at new things in order to see that. And I think that everybody who is in the the prints orbit right now around Paisley Park and those assets has such a big job of just trying to produce a result and get their check and feel good about what they're doing. But there's a lot of growth that has always been there that needed to take place since day one that still hasn't happened. And so that's what a lot of us really cross our fingers and hope for. We really kind of stay in contact. I kind of expect more to come out of the fan clubs and the fan family than I do the organization because the fan family has a better idea of the chronology. Understandable on that on so many different levels. See, when I went to see a cover band um, mm -hmm. and there are girls in their 20s and 30s going there, of course, like they look at me looking better, but they're wanting this guy who looks like Prince in the Purple Rain era. I'm like, all right, you guys are gonna change that. Another thing I'll say though is like, um, and I'm looking forward to going to one this Saturday for Dave Paul, is this Prince and MJ events because before COVID, there were any young girls in there, and I wore like the old school Prince symbol before the horn of salvation yeah. through it. Um, because that like the principal, like, yeah, it's the original, like that's so cool. So it was like getting a younger audience in there through Prince's music, through Michael's music. And um, another Prince night had it as well to where there was younger woman there. So it just seems to me, although it isn't through traditional formats, cover bands covering his music as much, well, basically now everyone's a cover band, right? Because he is a right. parent. But having DJ sets that you know, you associate Michael who had a wider audience. Let's just be audience. Let's be mm -hmm. honest about that. You're you're integrating his music with Michael's and you're having it be put together and then it's opening up stuff. And then when you have just a Prince night where a DJ is doing it as well, whether it's D nice through Instagram or at a club itself. Yeah. That these are how they're finding it because people are wanting to go out, especially after COVID, although, you know, people want to be able to wear their mask or do different things. But that's how that's one format of how you do it. And of course, that's something that I would love to do. And I'm afraid to mention it on my show, but I would love to do hosting nights or DJing nights that they take a Prince of State official thing on the road and have there be events in different cities that play his music. And then that's the only place you're going to hear vault stuff or see videos. And you have yeah. it these events and then you can open it up to other things it's a suggestion i'm afraid they're going to take it but we'll see what happens but that's what i'm seeing is like we may not be getting the five to 15 year olds but there is a younger audience coming in go ahead my man i was just going to say you know we you that's the hardest part about this is that um you when we say something we say it because we care mm -hmm. we know that they listen to the broadcast and we know that they steal ideas right on a regular basis. The thing is they can't execute what we feel in our hearts and know that we could. And, and so it's, it's okay though. It's okay. Right. Cause, because that's part of what makes this thing, what it is, you know, 
our our legacy and our honor to the situations that we all shared a real time, real relationship with this person who most of these people never knew. And so they're now in charge and it's up to them to build a story. So we have to maintain a at least a perspective where we make ourselves available should they want accuracy as part of their story. For sure. And then and then if should they want participation and accuracy, then that's a negotiated space that we get to. But but I think you know we have to look and see and observe, you know, and, and look, man, all I can say is it's not where it was, you know. Right right after he died and everybody parachuted in and it was ugly, man, it was ugly. <clears throat> and we're nowhere near that and I'm so happy about it, but we could be in a lot better place and I'm looking forward to the days and the weeks and the months ahead when we get to a tighter place, when everybody is in communication and everybody has access to Paisley Park and a lot of things are going on there because I don't want it to, to dry up and be nothing. For sure. It's too valuable a resource. And it just, you know, from my point of view, it hurts my heart. And I feel like I'm constantly letting him down because I was involved for so long and was there a week before his pet before he passed. Mm -hmm. And that I feel whether it's trying to get certain guests on my show or other stuff, I feel so roadblocked. And then to not be involved with stuff. And I just don't, there's no real clarity. And I just, I don't, that's all I'm going to say is just, I want to be involved. People ask me, why aren't you involved? Why aren't you doing this? I'm like, it's not me, but it's like. Yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, same thing I say. It's not me. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm totally open to anything, but I'm, I'm, I'm also a realist in knowing what I learned when I was with him. And I, one of the biggest things I learned was my personal value. And not for any other reason than he was very impactful and used to say, you're good at this, you should do this. You're good at this, you should do this. And and so when somebody says that, and, and when they first time they call me, they ask me, what does it cost for me to, to, to have a meeting with you and do this? That means from the outset, when he first contacted me, he respected me as who I was in entertainment and and what I represented, and he wanted to know how much my time was worth. Now, if he can call me and do that, that means anybody else can call me and do that. That doesn't mean I'm money grubbing and I'm, I, oh, I just gotta have this, no, but it is the honorable thing to do when you are asking for people to give of themselves in a situation where they've already given. You know, I, I just think it's it's just so, it's just, it's just another thing, man, you know, and that's why sometimes I just sit back and I watch whoever says they're in charge or whoever does this and, oh, I represent this and I represent, you know, you can represent anything you want. He ain't coming back. So, you know, we got to build this thing for what it's supposed to be now that he's gone and, and let's take a, a consensus of what everybody has to offer. Um, I've met some marvelous people just through getting to know the fan clubs. When I was working there, I knew nothing of the fan clubs. <clears throat> I knew nothing. I just knew of the, uh, when I first got there, one of the first things I did was join the uh, NPG online 
<laughs> but uh, uh, you know the 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 website and, and and that. But I never knew 365. I never knew any of these these groups until after he passed. And so for me, that's been a, a pleasure to get to know all the the different fans across the world. Right, and that's how it started with me was doing the seven 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 update. And then the bump squad in LA that I ran and founded and did this other stuff. Um, mm -hmm. To me, that's dead now and I've moved on, but um, it just goes on on it. But yeah, these fan groups, and that's what it is. We were like, you know, part of the NPN as we called it, the new power network. Yeah. And, and things, and now it's taken different forms of where it's not just locally, but it's, uh, you know, worldwide and we're all connected. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. For sure. Anything that you want to say while wrapping up, Dave? Because we're hitting the two and a half hour mark. <laughs> we can no, go I had a good time, man. I had a good time, and uh, let's yeah. get Scotty on here next time. We'll go for the three hour record or whatever you want to do. For but sure. uh, now we're we're cool. Whatever you want, you guys want to do. Whatever you want to talk about. And uh, if we didn't get to everything tonight, uh, let's just do a part two. Uh, but I I really have had fun and continue to have fun and look forward to. Just anything that is Prince and anything I can do to make somebody's uh, understanding clear, I'm down for. So, And I did see someone bringing about influencers or people on TikTok that do Prince stuff, having them on. That's a good suggestion. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're having people because they'll be a younger generation and then they can't exactly be on at the times that you want. But we'll see what we can do during that time but for sure it's definitely needed and we'll definitely have you on again yeah friday gotta kind of like we gotta work i gotta work on a just stuff fundraising or donation show but we'll be getting stuff on to definitely have you on again and i appreciate you being yeah. able to be available when i thought of this idea for the show i'm like let me bring in dave so we can <laughs> appreciate you yeah man it was good to get a call so so yeah all right it helps flashing back. It helps flashing back. It keeps me focused on all these newbies. Definitely. Yeah. We're, we're trying to educate in school and do this other stuff and not make assumptions or have people rewrite history or rewrite stuff. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Good to see you, my man. All right. Good seeing everybody. All right. Peace, my man. All right, guys. Yeah, we always appreciate having Dave, Dave on. Knowledge is power, 100%. Thanks. I try to rock. Um, you know, uh, again, we're going to have a show on Friday. Was wanting Stasia Lang on to talk about the shoe collection, but that's not going to happen. And again, anyone who is going to be attending the tour, um, I want to have you guys on to get the fan perspective of things. It'd be appreciated just because even though the estate doesn't exactly have me being involved, like I feel an obligation to be able to promote Paisley Park and what's going on there and making sure that someone watches our show and they want to go because of it being on or pick up stuff, pick up albums, fill these songs. So how long are the shoes there? I think it's going to be there for a while. Right now, tour tickets are through September, but that doesn't mean that that, is when it ends, but that's what's going on now. And especially the weather in Minnesota is good. Um, there's a lot of things to do there. I'd like for other stuff to chill the F out over there so we can feel more 
comfortable giving about giving the city of Minneapolis our money and other things, not to be a punk on that. So, and yeah, so Stasha Lang, sorry guys. I inherited my grandmother's thing of saying things wrong, saying it on. I would butcher Ida's name for a bit as well. <clears throat> but we wanted Miss Lang on to talk about stuff. But uh, there we go. <clears throat> and we will be doing a show on Friday. Some, And I'm going to be in contact. Some of the stuff that we're trying to sell a few months, hoodies and uh, T-shirts, just to kind of like raise some money for the show and for some other things for some business meetings that I have to take. I'm only looking that way because it's over there and I don't want to bring up on camera. I want to contact the people originally that were interested in seeing of doing it, but we're going to be doing it. It's stuff that was never worn or stuff that just, you know, it's extra large and double XL stuff that just doesn't fit me anymore when I'm a large and medium guy now, but we just got to try to have stuff going on and, yeah, in August will be a tough month. Um, you know, do feel you be very involved in everything that's going on in Mini. Yes. So I just try to help out with stuff. Even I try to be as official as possible, as that sounds. That's why there won't be certain guests I won't have on, but then they make it hard for me to have guests that I do want on. So it's just frustrating. And of course, I always appreciate your guys' donations. I have the links for... Venmo, I should be putting that as well, but I'll take like a few questions and wrapping up, but I do want to do a show on Friday. I don't think we're going to be able to have anyone that took the tour yet, but we can talk about stuff because I do want to be making changes to the show that probably will not be happening until um, October, but we will be making updates to the show and doing changes. And I just... I don't want it to be because of comments on here that people that I want to have on the show don't come on the show. So I want people to be respectful to the community, respectful to each other, other people that worked on them. We can have differences of, differences of opinions. That's fine. When it comes to slamming others, not so much. So it's always appreciated. And we will be having a show on Friday to discuss, uh, how did I get that off? I don't know how I got that on in the first place. So let me do this and then get it off. Sorry about that. Um, we're not doing any OnlyFans. TikTok, I think what I was doing on Instagram, need to, um, need to do that. But we will be getting to that on Friday's show just about how we can make the show better, how we can do other things. Yes, New Power Network um it was going on that we're doing that in the 2000s when it be the fan groups at celebration and name tags i'm sure rodney can do a post on the 365 page of it although it's in a box behind me but i don't want to pull out that stuff right now that that's opening up an earworm and opening up a, a rabbit hole that we don't want to go down or go through am i out in the public again yeah, I just try to be careful. But again, you have 15 months of not seeing anyone and going months without seeing anyone unless when you're buying food, of living alone. Thank God I love um, my own company. But it just gets to a point where I want to be out, even though you know we're 
the Delta strain is the dominant one in California right now. And apparently the Pfizer vaccine, it doesn't exactly fully cover that, but you can't get as sick. Um, but I need to be out in the public because it's just not smart doing stuff. But there's other things that um, I'm going through and just business meetings I want to have happen and do that before I go to you guys for help or for assistance. But selling some stuff that I have that was never worn that you can't get from the Prince estate anymore, um, that could be a good starting point, so to speak. So, yeah, edgy and big crowns. I like, like I said, I'll be going to that Prince MJ event this weekend, but I'm really hoping that we'll have our own little private corner and there'll be a lot of pretty girls there. And then right now with me recovering from my foot, I can't go over there and ask them to dance because I don't drink, but with how my balance is, they'll be like, Hey girl, you want to dance? I'm like, Oh no, this guy's messed up. But yeah, I haven't kept the mask on at certain places when I have been going inside places like for food today, even though they, they say we don't have to have it, I still do it. But, um, you know, hopefully, yes, we can link up Rodney. That would be cool. Um, no problem with that. I'm supposed to be having someone else come out, but yeah, I've been kind of doing my other thing and going for drives, but gas since you've been here rodney has went up another 40 cents it's about to hit probably by the 14th it'll probably hit around 450 but some of the places that you're accustomed to it's probably already over the five dollar threshold so it's ridiculous um yeah yeah and again it really is about his legacy and these other things this is all what we're trying to do you know, and that's what we're trying to do. We want it to be about his legacy and not Grammy nominations. We want to see the estate do well because I want to see that um, the Michael Jackson estate making 40 million compared to Prince's 13 million when we're putting out more music and other things. I said we when I'm not even part of that. See, I try to be at least think like a team player on this stuff, but I want to get that to where more is being made and you have Paisley Park and have this other stuff. So yeah, gas is, yeah, it's gonna be 450 probably by the 14th. And uh, they always say it isn't about who's in office, but these are the highest numbers we've had since Obama was president. So just saying. And of course in California, because we gotta have the cleaner gas, we pay a little bit more. Although that could be a whole farce. So, well, the Prince Estate has a lot of merch, but yes, they don't have the bravado deal anymore. So that's why it's like, you'll, get, you'll see a shirt at Target, you'll see a shirt at Hot Topic, but it isn't like as much as it used to be. And um, we've all had our Purple Rain shirts. Right now, Target has like a shirt from the 1979 um, look of him in the jacket, not the cover. So there is different things out there but um that's how it's going we just need to do these things and find ways to make money you can't expect like what happened with um homeboy and the fleetwood max song to blow up on tiktok there has to be other avenues and i'm not you know when we had stephen hill on who's amazing you know to talk about like oh it's because michael's music you know was made for the younger generation and prince was baking brown boundaries 
and all this other stuff that that's why he'll never catch up to Michael. I think there's ideas that we can use that can help capitalize on that. So, you know, search for search on the target app, Prince t-shirt, and then you'll see it. It's like a purple tie dye. Then hopefully your location will have it. Of course, here in LA, they don't allow us to pick it up outside or have it be delivered. So we have to go inside for it. So any last questions, like I said, we're going to be doing a show on Friday and I just want to have you guys on to see what we can do to making the show better. But there is changes I want to make in October of how the shows will be done from now on, basically being recorded live, but not done live and possibly just using YouTube. So like questions that are asked or done, it can be through donations quicker, but when we are having people on, um, we'll need you to send the questions in advance in order to be part of it, but at least stuff doesn't get out of control. Do I have a teaching degree? I make one, I do not, um, but thank you. I try to educate in different ways. Do I think it would break TikTok? We'll see. I mean, if if you have some of these girls in the videos they do, I'm like, my God. And they're just amazingly beautiful and this other stuff. But yeah, there's probably some of that that would be doing it. I know that, uh, uh, what was her name? Ratchfield. She did a thing to get off, but when Prince is alive and then he had it taken down quick, but it was ridiculously hot. Um, why am I forgetting her name? Ratchfield is her last name, and she dated Jimmy Iovine's son for a bit. Let's see, Adriana Ratchfield, but let me make sure. Abigail Ratchford. Um, yeah, that video that she didn't get off was ridiculous. Um, so there we go. And yes, I'm going to be having, as Ronnie's coming here for LA, I'm going to be having business meetings in other places first, but I got to make stuff happen before I have stuff that I go through in August. And I see you, um, Susie, appreciate it. That the girls will come to me. Yeah. When you're at the club, you got to kind of like present them. And like I said, they've been very attractive and to actually get looks down on, you know, I worked hard on myself inside and out for so many reasons because of Prince wanting me to get, be more comfortable in front of the camera and do other stuff that, you know, felt it was important, but we'll see with it. And there goes Ken with uh, the link to the target uh, thing if you guys want. But definitely, good Lord, and Britney Spears just posted something on her Instagram. Although, hmm, I've been Photoshopping that area, but she's got too many issues for me to criticize her. So I'm going to shut my mouth and be supportive. So thank you, Susie. I appreciate it. Patreon channel work for you as well. See, the thing is, is like there's information I know beforehand so I can keep people involved with Patreon and doing the shows and give information. But it's like the estate constantly wants to know where you're getting my information from. And it's just problematic because when Prince was here, he loved that I get the information. Now it's like I'm being punished for it. So that's uh, yeah, frustrating. And I don't want to do a Patreon when, you know, I will be, as though I don't want to talk about too much, I will be having an upcoming surgery that will at least delay me for doing a show for two weeks. So that's why I want to get in multiple shows and do other things. And then 
get in the process of recording professional shows ahead of time so you guys don't see any missed time. So that's it. Um, like the live shows as well, but sometimes the comments get a little bit out of hand and I want to make the format a little bit tighter and tougher, but it is appreciated. All right. We'll give it a few more minutes. I'm going to wrap it up. Um, why are they starting when you're keeping the flame burning? I think it's because they want someone like me. They just don't want me. It's like we need we need a Johnny Depp type for this role, but not Johnny Depp. So, but it is what it is. Like I will do nothing but support the estate um, behind the scenes, front of the scenes. I know sometimes they get upset when I'm critic when I'm critical, but everything I say is out of love. It isn't about trying to make a name for myself or trying to say that I can do better. I just look at different things. So, hope the surgery is not on my birthday. It isn't, but. If it was up to me, I'd already would have had the surgery. It's just being delayed. But man, that money in our healthcare system just pisses me off. But we'll make it happen. And I'm going to wrap it up now. Much love to you guys. And I hope to see you on Friday. And who knows, maybe we'll have, if we have a guest on, I'll let you guys know. But I'm that. When I say they, it's talking about the estate. And I have nothing but love for them and we'll support them. So that's what it comes down to. All right, you guys, I want to thank Dave Hampton for being on the show. Thank you guys for being a part of it. Um, and that's what it comes down to. Thank you guys so much for subscribing on YouTube, on Apple Music, on Spotify, for letting people know about the shows. Thank you guys for donating, especially right now. It is very much appreciative. Before, I just like, if you want to donate, you, you can, whatever. Right now, it's just going into it. We need to make business meetings happen first, but then... We'll do, do what's going on. Much love to Rodney. Much love to David Belgrave. Like I said, check out those things on Clubhouse. Follow their groups. I know what's going on, and we're doing it. I have nothing but love for everyone in this room, for all the fans, even the people that want to trash talk me every chance they get. It's all love. And, uh, you know, I look at it as you're not as bad as people say you are, but you're not as good as you are, too. I try to work on myself on the show and having it be better and do these other things. That I wish other people, instead of dissing someone else, would work on them their, their shows and do these other things instead of doing it. Much love. Till next time. Thank you, Prince. Keep it funky. Thank you, guys.